Hi, I'm Trevor. And I'm Kyle, and uh, thanks for joining us on Catching Up on Cinema. Uh, if you're new to the podcast, well, what Trevor and I do is we uh, have each other watch a movie that the other one hasn't seen. Uh, and in this month, we are actually covering uh, Keanu Reeves. That is uh, our, our person this month. Uh, last week, we covered Freaked from 1993-ish. Yeah, uh, uh, directed by Alex. Well, co-written and co-directed by Alex Winter. But uh, this week, I chose a movie that, uh, in theory, neither one of us have seen. But Trevor has kind of seen it, but he forgot, which we count here. If you can't remember it, it's like it didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think that's fair. And I did see this around the time it first came out. I think my parents rented it or something in like 1997, and I saw it. Yeah. I don't really remember it. Uh, and so, yeah, this was basically my first viewing of this. But, Kyle, why did you select this for uh, your your pick for catching up on Keanu Month as your, your selection of a film that you hadn't seen from his filmography? Well, I, uh, I, I think we both agreed that my own private Idaho was going to be a bit a little bit difficult to do on this program. Uh, it's a Criterion release, so... Just watch it. Uh, but again, yeah. the, the point of the podcast also is we're kind of highlighting films that we both we both like, and uh, we try to make each other watch movies that we don't normally watch. Uh, and this is one that uh, I'd never heard of. I saw the cover of it, and I just kind of skimmed it. I looked at the year, who was in it. I'm like, Morgan Freeman, Rachel Weisz. I'm like, okay, 1996, let's do it. I'm just going to just shoot from the hip. Um, the other one I was going to go with was Feeling Minnesota, I think mm-hmm. was what it was. Which I remember my parents rented at one time, and I don't think I watched. But I'm like, it doesn't sound. I read the I read the little the back of the box basically, and uh, it wasn't really hitting the notes I wanted. But yeah, um, this looked like it was going to be a lot of fun. And uh, what 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 did you think of uh, Chain Reaction? This go. Well, uh, I mean, what little I did remember of the movie going in. Uh, well, I do remember some of the marketing for it, and what's funny about the marketing and the film itself, if you ask me, is that the whole plot can pre- basically be summarized as two explosions and some stuff that happens in the middle. Yep. Because uh, this, is, this is a... So let's go back in time to a 1996 <laughs> <laughs> history lesson. Uh, 1996, so we're right in the middle of the 90s. Um, we should probably... Of- so you should probably say at the top here who directed this, but ah, yeah. Uh, by the way, this help. film was directed by Andrew Davis, uh, who is a very prolific action film director. Uh, he has worked with some of the biggest name stars in the genre. Uh, I believe you told me right before we went on the air that he did The Fugitive. Yes, which is fitting, being as this movie bears quite a strong resemblance to that. Um, and he also directed Above the Law. Mm-hmm. Uh, Basically, he introduced the world to Steven Seagal. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we needed um, him. <laughs> yes, <laughs> no, pivotal serious, moment in history. <laughs> they should restructure the, uh, the time where there's a before Seagal era. Yep, um, <laughs> ASBS. Yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but what I what I want to say about 1996. Um, so, in the very short history of action cinema. Um, action traditional action films as we know them today are a very new product uh, they haven't really existed until what the 80s um, and in the 80s you had your Stallones and your Schwarzeneggers uh, actually f- flip that Schwarzenegger you had is, your Schwarzenegger first yeah yes. Schwarzenegger is a tier above everyone else there's mm. Schwarzenegger and then there's everyone else I love he stands alone else. he stands alone yeah. as the greatest he's the goat 
but yeah, when you when you think of a traditional action film, you think of I like to think of Commando as being like the archetypal like action film from from that time period. Uh, it's not the best Arnold film by any stretch of the imagination, but the body count and the like tongue in cheek element of it 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 fits the mold better than anything else I can think of. Um, but then you get towards the late '80s and you get Die Hard. Mm. And you start to see the traditional action hero archetype start to get phased out a bit in favor of the Michael Keatons and the Bruce Willis's. You know, not not schlubby guys, but just you know believable as somewhat everyman guys. Dad bods. Yeah, and then when we get past the '80s altogether, though, we start to get into the '90s. And in my mind, uh, the '90s was like the era of high concept action thrillers. Um, what I mean by that is instead of emphasizing like violence and brutality and just over-the-top craziness, uh, we start to trend more towards instead of a body count, instead of like violence, we're trending towards spectacle. Uh, so it's, it's like people doing insane stunts, like falling off of tall objects <laughs> and, and gigantic gasoline explosions. The, the 90s to me are typified as being like the like the decade of gigantic explosions, like even more so than the 80s. Like, I don't know how many giant fireballs my, my eyes were subjected to in that decade, but it feels like a lot. Uh, so this was like right in the thick of it, where instead of shooting people up all throughout our movie, uh, we're, we're looking, we're catering more towards scripts where people are running away from things and jumping off of things. Yeah. <laughs> so it's action. This is an action thriller. It's not a traditional action film. And if you if you can deal with that, then you might find some enjoyment here. But I think the, the biggest biggest problem with this film is that it's too similar to other things that were happening at the time, and it feels derivative. Uh, one other note that I wanted to throw out there about this time period in action cinema was that uh, Jurassic Park was, what, 93? Correct. Yeah, Michael Crichton was a thing. <laughs> in cinema um, <laughs> rising sun i don't know if that did very well but this was also the era of the techno thriller mm. where it's like technology does stuff and yes. we can find a way to insert this into the script and also star trek the next generation was kind of a thing too i'm gonna say uh it wasn't techno script it was vague technology yeah mumbo jumbo but with science like pseudoscience backing it yes yeah. we're talking i don't think I don't think the term fusion is ever used in this movie, Mm-mm. but that's what we're talking about. Yeah, that's a hydrogen. There's a hydrogen bomb in the beginning, yeah. and then at the end, there's still a hydrogen bomb, and nobody's saying like the hydrogen thing is going to explode. <laughs> I'm like, you mean the hydrogen bomb you have downstairs? Because yeah, that's like, what that is. Like, there's there's very little. Everything's very vague, and it seems very intentional. Where it's like we're no, we're not going to actually label anything and bring any actual science into our discussions. We're just going to say clean energy. Involving hydrogen. I feel and like somebody's <laughs> somebody in the audience is throwing some shit. <laughs> is all sizzle no steak? Is that the term to? Is that the phrase I want to use for this? Where the the way it's shot and edited is trying to be like like the fugitive, where it's like cat and mouse, except there's no cat and mouse. Like it has all there's the no sh- cat. Yeah, it just <laughs> like, they're going for something and it's just not there. I'm like. The Fugitive, I honestly, after I'm finished with this, uh, I think I have to watch Game of Thrones, but 
The Fugitive is going to be watched sometime this week. Now that I've watched this movie, I th- I think fu- The Fugitive is a very a very fun action thrower. I watched I, it. I've seen it more than once, and I really enjoy it. And uh, what U.S. Marshals is is pretty good too. I it's tried. Not, wa- it's not as good, but it's pretty good. I tried watch. I got about halfway through U.S. Marshals, and I'm like, oh, okay, this just is not capturing the same magic, and this isn't capturing the same magic as The Fugitive, which I think it was trying to. Well, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, um, I think I said before we went on the air this this movie would not exist if not for the success of The Fugitive. Because that was a wild, wildly successful film. I, I stayed engaged for the most part in this movie. Um, I had a, a lot of problems with how the fuck did they get there? How the fuck did he get there? Where did they come from? How did they get there? I think... You're not wrong on that. Um, <laughs> I was paying attention to the way this film was edited. And there's some evidence to suggest that um, a lot of stuff was just torn out of it. Mm. Like it, it feels like there's chunks missing. And the first 15 minutes of the film feel super rushed. Yeah. Like, like it's like, whoa, 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 we're moving real fast here. And I, I kind of appreciated trans- that. I did, too, because that is, that is, like, the biggest compliment I can pay to this film, actually, is that it moves. Um, it doesn't really have any lulls in the action. And uh, it needs to be said, Jerry, Jerry Goldsmith did the score for this film. I was about to um, ask you about that. <laughs> He worked his ass off. Um, I don't. I wouldn't think of this as one of his best scores, but the sheer amount of music that he composed for this, uh, man, they they leaned really heavy on him because the the action in this film is not amazing by any stretch. No. Um, but the energy level, both through a combination of the editing and his, the impact of his score, does a lot to carry the film in a lot of ways. So <laughs> I'm just picturing pe- poor Jerry Goldsmith getting woken up at like four in the morning, like every day for three months or something. The director's like, Jerry, Jerry, you got bail, you got bail me out. <laughs> like I'm in the <laughs> editing room. It ain't, it, it's not coming together. It's <laughs> not going well, Jerry. <laughs> it's not going well, Jerry. I need you in the booth right now. <laughs> we got a, uh, we could kind of jump into the plot here a little bit, but I wanted to mention at the top of uh, the cast real quick. So we got Kinanu Reeves, uh, Looking like your brother straight up. Uh, he oh, yeah. Is, yeah. Oh, my absolutely. gosh. This there was, was a m- couple of times where he was, like, turning his head when he was talking. I was like, whoa, that's okay. my brother. <laughs> He's rocking. So Keanu's rocking his Bill and Ted haircut still. I, no, it's been cut at this point. He grew it back out because he definitely did not have this haircut in Point Break. Um, <laughs> but he, uh, so, yes, Keanu is in here. Morgan Freeman um, playing. Can Has he ever committed to just playing a bad guy just from the beginning to end, not smiling at Christian Slater as he's rowing away with the money he stole from the bank in hard rain. Can he just be a villain? I, that was actually one of the things I did remember about this movie, and I remember being upset about when I was a kid because I didn't understand everything that was happening in the movie. But I do, I do remember being upset that like, hang on, I thought he was supposed to be bad, but like the the way he's presented on camera, like you can't be mad at him. Like he's Morgan Freeman. Like, <laughs> Like I, I've been saying it for a while. Um, one of his his best moments in a in a horrible film is a uh, Wanted, oh. um, where he he finally he like drops the facade because Morgan Freeman past a certain age you're always you know what you're getting. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna be classy. He's gonna be erudite. He's gonna be cool. Um, 
he has a moment in Wanted where he he drops the facade and he just says, "This motherfucker." <laughs> He's like, <laughs> "Kill this it. motherfucker." And I was like, "Yes, I need more of this." But I don't remember what movie it was, but um my mom always cites this one example from like a movie really early in his career where he played a pimp. Oh and my apparently goodness. He was, he, apparently he was terrifying. I'm like, he say- was scary. I'm, I, I feel stupid that I don't I don't remember the name of the movie uh, from the 80s where he plays an inner uh, an inner city uh, principal. Um, it's not Stand by Me. It's uh, I'm looking for it right now because I I can't not I can't not remember what it is. Like I have to know um, uh, remember what it is. But yeah, is it uh, that might be the I'm curious as to where he played a pimp because that that is not what I would think of when I think of uh, Morgan Freeman. No, but I mean everybody got to start somewhere. I mean, look at Lawrence Fishburne and Cowboy Curtis. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you see? Did you see? We'll get to it. Did you see who the uh, the guy dropping off the flowers was in this movie? I did, and oh, I, we'll get there. I just about shat my pants. I, I could like, not. How, how did how did this it. happen again? <laughs> like, I this could is not believe the second it. time he's appeared in a film unexpectedly. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was not expecting that at all. Um. <laughs> Neither was I. But I was like, holy shit, this is perfect for you. <laughs> yeah, I was super excited about that. Okay, this is really making me mad. I can't find the movie right now. Uh, Lean on me. Good lord. Find, found it. Fantastic. What, it's probably... What, it, what year? It, uh, 19, uh, 1989. Okay. It's a fantastic movie. It's uh, one of my favorite uh, Morgan Freeman performances. Uh, although I couldn't remember the name of the movie. Oh. <laughs> it was that good. It was that good. Um, uh, Rachel... Oh. Fi- Go ahead, sorry. I was going to mention the rest of it. <laughs> The, oh, you the top build the cast, cast here. Uh, before we get to the FBI agents, uh, Rachel Vice is playing a physicist, and then uh, we have a dude I want to call Fake Oliver Reed. Uh, he's the guy that we're introduced to very first, the old gentleman. Uh, oh, yeah, I, I, yeah. He, he's was, another Doctor Wiley look like. <laughs> well, his voice. It was just his voice. I'm like, that sounds okay. kind of like Oliver Reed a little bit. And okay. He has a, I mean, he has a very distinguished voice. So you know right away if it's Oliver Reed. I'm like, it's not Oliver Reed, but it's close. We couldn't afford him this time. I think he was dead. No, he wasn't dead yet. He still had to do uh, Gladiator. Sorry. Yeah. Which, mm. what? <laughs> 2000. Uh, yeah, so, that's right. Do you want to jump into the uh, the plot here? We want to jump into the story? Yeah. So the the plot of this film, Chain Reaction, is uh, Kinanu uh, is a, what, a machinist or a fabricator of some sort that is working with this fake Oliver Reed fella uh, to create a clean energy device of some sort Mm -hmm. um so the film actually opens and we'll get to the film just a second but the film actually opens with a a speech from fake oliver reed yes about uh how the world is addicted to petroleum products and we need to find a clean energy solution soon otherwise it's going to be the end of the world this was 1996 um nothing absolutely nothing has changed um anyway kinanu is part of the the crew that they've put together to work here morgan freeman finances the project uh and then uh, through happenstance or shenanigans or whatever you want to call it uh kinanu comes across a big ba- a breakthrough the machine works uh there's some sort of sabotage that happens after gigantic explosion and then uh kinanu and rachel vise have to go on the run because they are framed for the explosion uh merry mishaps ensue mm-hmm so that is our plot summary, um, but film opens uh, with pre- like pretty cool titles for its day. Um, 
cool font it has that impact to it you got like as soon as the first couple notes play on the score if you if you know anything about like film scores you're gonna you're gonna know it's jerry goldsmith in the room you're like okay <laughs> we got some money um and then yeah we cut to the speech from alistair is the the name of the british doctor uh, the fake oliver reed guy yeah, fake oliver reed. and and yeah we're cutting back and forth between him doing like a conference of some sort uh, basically laying out the entire reason why we're working on this clean energy machine so he's doing his uh, pollution revolution speech uh, so we cut back and forth between him giving the speech and uh, Kinanu uh, working in like his I think it's his home like he has a machine shop in his his home yeah he in has his loft he, yeah he has a friend's friend's apartment basically where it's like it doesn't make sense that he can afford this but whatever it, it moves the plot along <laughs> so Apparently, we're working with, like, fusion energy. We're trying to convert hydrogen to an energy source. Uh, we're trying to get a lot from a little, basically. Uh, and then Keanu hops on his motorcycle. I forget what type of motorcycle it is, but it's Keanu, so of course he has to have a cool car or of course, motorcycle yeah. or something. Or a time <laughs> but machine. He, and then he, uh, he drives out to the factory from Robocop. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> <so> yep. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Uh, and so we meet the crew here, Kyle, and, and there's a handful of familiar faces here. Yes, f- familiar faces. Uh, yeah, we mentioned uh, Rachel Vice, um, who just adorable Rachel Vice. This is before the Mummy too. Oh, yeah, um, this is baby Rachel Vice. Baby Rachel Vice. Um, as we've said on a couple of, oh, I've mentioned probably on a couple episodes. Big Rachel Vice fan. Um, who else was in the machine? Uh, Morgan Freeman, of course. Fake Oliver Reed. Was there another doctor or person yeah, that was missing uh, he's here? he's somewhat important to the plot. Not He doesn't have much screen time, but uh, Dr. Chen Lu. Oh, oh yes, Chen. I'm sorry. Uh, he is uh, played by, I, I'm sorry, I don't know Chinese pronunciation, but Si Ma. Um, you will recognize him as the... Jun uh, <laughs> No, 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 I'm sorry. Uh, from, from that movie, but uh, he's, yes, he's the guy who... Yeah, he's the father of the little girl in a What little girl? <laughs> what little Chinese girl? <laughs> she, she. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's he's the guy from Rush Hour. The what he's not the prime minister, he's he's some other minister of some sort. Anyway, he's one of the doctors here. I I've seen him play scientists in many American films. It's apparently a thing he does. Does he say um, a word in this movie? Maybe a couple. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, a, a, a few. Um, he's he's just there to be a victim mostly. <laughs> he's there to get racistly killed by Brian Cox. I can tell you that Ooh, much. Yeah, that came out of nowhere. That w- I watched it. I'm like, that was racist. He, they, yeah. Why would he start with him? You shoot Rachel. V- I'm sorry. We're getting ahead of our. I'm getting. Ahead of our, I'm sorry. We'll get <laughs> I mean, there. It was kind of a shocking moment because this movie doesn't actually have much violence in it. Even violence. Morgan Freeman calls him out on it. Like, Ooh, fuck, he, that wasn't he, necessary. Yeah, he raises his voice, and mm. it takes a lot to get him. You know above that threshold riled up um so in the tradition of any old uh, science related movie so i mean you, if you've seen any movie of this type you're familiar with the scenes that are going to be playing out here in the next few minutes like uh hollow man for instance it's mm. a later film but similar rhythm to it i guess yeah um, well anyway, i was gonna say uh, this movie picks this movie starts much like the fugitive where we're getting important plot points straight up and I appreciate that in the fugitive. Like in the beginning, he's at a is at a dinner. We get it really quick. I mean, wife dies within four minutes. I'd say four minutes flat of that movie, the fugitive. Here we're getting yeah. We get our our pretty much everything right at the top. Like we know what's happening. We don't have to be explained anything once the movie actually starts. 
Actually, it's kind of similar to Deep Blue Sea in that way. <laughs> but, but but without the added shenanigans of having Saffron Burroughs be a little insane. Yeah. Or, the the thing about that movie is that like the reason why things got out of hand, or part of the reason, was that uh, they were under financial pressure to 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 push things out of hand. I guess. Mm-hmm. Whereas this one, thankfully, it's like the whole reason these scenes exist is to show that these people like each other. They they're hard workers and they believe in what they're doing. Uh, so it, we get the band together. Uh, this all takes place in like no joke, like five minutes. This mm-hmm. is real quick. Uh, and then we test our machine, which um, if you've ever seen the 1954 Godzilla movie, which I don't know that you have. Most of um, I haven't, no. The, there is a device in there called the Oxygen Destroyer. Um, super cool. <laughs> anyway, it, this uh, machine that they have, this like hydrogen converter or fusion device or whatever you want to call it's it. It's got bubbles, yeah. It's got bubbles and lasers. And lasers <laughs> yeah. Bubbles and lasers. Yeah, bubbles and lasers in a water tank. Um it looks like a giant oxygen destroyer, and it's got blue lights. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, uh, we got lasers in a water tank. Uh, the, the machine starts getting jostled. There's some loud noises. Everybody has their goggles on. And they're behind like a blast shield of some sort, in a, like with control panels. And I noticed a really ugly shot here that uh, it's just a shot of Keanu looking bored while wearing goggles, and then the camera like punches in with intensity, where it's like. Keanu, are you going to react? Or no. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> He's kind of on autopilot in this movie. He's not. Unfortunately, yeah. yeah. It's not a great performance on his behalf. But yeah. what are you going to do? Um, so, yeah, they're at the University of Chicago. Uh, they tell us that several times <laughs> by showing, not telling. Um, <laughs> uh, Keanu's wearing the University of Chicago. Okay, so uh, they try uh, getting this thing to work, and it doesn't work uh, the first try. So Keanu goes uh, back to his loft machine shop, which, by the way, there's no way he's getting that machine up into a loft. Uh, it's not happening. Yeah, um, it's a fucking lathe. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's not happening. So he he's just got something spinning, and he's messing and fidgeting with shit. And then he he's like, "Wait, what's that? What's that?" And he gets a microphone, and he he figures it out. <laughs> this scene made no sense. I'm just like, he just microphoned the problem away. This is. This is maybe the lamest Eureka moment I've seen in a science-related film. It is. Um, I, 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 yeah, it is. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is the lamest Eureka moment in cinema history because I had no fucking clue what was happening, and what happened occurred within like 20 seconds. Real complicated and, science and stuff. And by, you by the understand. way, Ke- Keanu, you know, Spider-Man Two. <laughs> um, you know what Dr. Octopus was trying to do? Yeah. Make, make you know, the power of the sun in the palm of my hand. Mm-hmm. You know how that, like, entire movie was about him trying to get it right? And yeah. even by the end of it, he didn't get it right? <laughs> that That's what Keanu did here on accident in 20 seconds. 20 seconds. With, with a flickering light bulb, a lathe, and a synthesizer. I have no idea how any of these things are related, but the word frequencies is thrown out there several times. And I guess... Light, sound, metal drill, synthesizer, all these things work in tandem to create clean energy. He doesn't even have a (laughs) cup of coffee to let us know that he's been working on it for a while. He came home, hasn't even taken his shoes off or popped in a microwave dinner. He's figured it out. I think it was the same night after the test. It was. And not only that, I I don't think he was actually trying to do anything. He wasn't. I think he was just fabricating some parts. 
He's a machinist. <laughs> he was about to put in a kung fu movie, you know, and just <laughs> he was about to just, you know, kick back with some noodles. No, he was whittling but with metal. And then he's like, "Oh, I solved fusion." He was cool. metal whittling. Yes, he was metal whittling. <laughs> he was metal whittling. whittling. <laughs> and exactly somehow what... he found he found clean energy. Uh, I will say before we get to the next scene that I appreciate '90s trailers because I watched the trailer for this and that really got me excited. I miss '90s trailers. I don't they think were there's. Great. I don't think there's a, a decade that's captured them. Now trailers are too good. Before they would just give enough, and I was worried watching the trailer. I'm like, they're going to give too much away in the trailer because that's definitely happened in this decade. They didn't. And actually, most of the stuff in the trailers in the first five minutes, and then like a couple of little middle bits here and there. But really good job on the trailer. Um, but yes, yeah, so the next day he gets the the band back together. They all gather up, and voila, he's he's fixed it. They've got. I guess this is a new. This is a cheap renewable energy or something like that. Basically, it's going to take down fossil fuels, so it's a big deal. And yeah. immediately we figure out that uh, Morgan Freeman. I'm I'm sorry. There's red herrings in this, and it's pretty much intentional, but Morgan Freeman uh, steps off to use the phone, it looks like. Yeah. And uh, he was making cigars look really good in this movie, by the way. He was. He really was. Uh, good good use of uh, good hand acting. Mm-hmm, good use of props. Mm-hmm. Excellent, excellent. But yeah, he steps into the back office to make a phone call, and everybody else decides to put on the reggae and get shit-faced. They are getting fucked up, yeah. Right. Uh, it needs to be said, Rachel Wise is a brilliant actress when it comes to portraying a drunk person. Oh, she did, she's done it twice, and she does it, she does it very well both times. I'm, she is charming as all hell and believable. <laughs> I, I, I congratulate Tyler Labine in, uh, uh, oh, goddamn, Zach and Mary Make a Porno, the best drunk acting I've ever seen. But she's up there. She does a really good job. Actually, my note is, uh, should she be driving? Uh, Keanu kind of just waffles through that one. Luckily, her car didn't <laughs> Your start. Your battery's dead. <laughs> I he, can tell from the noise. <laughs> he actually barely talks in this movie. Yeah, he doesn't have many lines, and his motivations are hazy at best. I'm not even like, sure what he does. I mean, like, it, well, it's a little fuzzy. And, I mean, as far as uh, with the hydrogen bomb, we're gonna. I just want to call it the hydrogen. Let's call it the hydrogen thing. Because sure. he's, a mechan- he's a machinist, and that's his relationship to this hydrogen thing. But near the end of the movie, he's also, like, I, I think he's a physicist as well. He's an expert physicist as well. Yeah. Um, and he, yeah. Uh, yeah. His motivations are hazy throughout the film. Uh, in fact, there's a moment much, much later on that I'll, I'll highlight, but I'll bring it up now anyway, uh, where Morgan Freeman is, like, mean mugging Rachel Weisz and saying, like, oh, so-and-so is, so-and-so will come and save her. Ed- Eddie. Uh, Kasalovich is uh, is uh, Keanu's name in this, yes. by the way. Uh, benefits of being uh, mixed race. You can play whatever the fuck. <laughs> um, anyway, um, yeah, what, what struck me as being weird in that is that that's a line from an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie hmm. or a Stallone movie where the the villain has the, the hero's lady captured and then he's like, oh yeah, he'll come. Oh, it's like, he'll come. He's a physicist yeah. and he like wasn't that tight with her until like a couple of days ago until you tried to kill them basically and now you're just banking on him showing up for her it's like what if he just decides to run <laughs> it's <Yeah>. like <laughs> is your whole plan banking on him being a complete fucking idiot um anyway uh yeah she rachel is drunk as fuck yeah um uh, most of most of the other party goers are 
they've left the factory. Um, Dr. Chen and uh, Alistair, the, the British Dr. Wiley guy, fake Oliver Reed, uh, they're staying behind, and I guess they're doing some number cut crunching or some computations of some sort. They're both on the phone talking in, uh, I think, Russian for Alistair and, and Mandarin for for Dr. Chen, so they're busy. Yeah. Uh, Keanu, on the other hand, he's getting ready to hop on his bike and go home, but he sees that Rachel's, uh, now Lily is her name, by the way. Yes, Lily. Uh, she's trying to start her car, which she shouldn't be. She shouldn't be. <laughs> um, but he points out that your battery's dead. And then uh, he's, he's not sure what to do now because he has a motorcycle yeah. and no, no extra gear for her. So he's like, you'll freeze to death. Uh, put a pin in that and so he like they get a cab together i think and yeah he takes he, her home he takes her home he tucks her in and of course he's you know sweet keanu reeves we know for a fact that he's never gonna lay a finger on her or make a move nope. good guy he's a gentleman yeah. and uh yeah he he tucks her in and uh we we cut back to the uh the f- the warehouse factory facility factory. at the university sure. of chicago by the train um <laughs> Yeah, it looks like it's in a bad neighborhood too. I'm just saying. Um, uh, it like I, I wasn't joking. This looks like the factory at the end of Robocop. And this definitely <laughs> feels all. I mean, I do appreciate this. Is when we film in the elements. Nothing drives me more nuts. Like if you watch that uh, first Gr- the Gremlins movie, you're like, that's Back to the Future with stuff like snow sprayed on it. I hate that. We're in yeah. real winter here in Chicago. Yeah. There- so soap flakes do not translate to snow (laughs) (laughs) but um so i got a laugh here i don't know if you got the same laugh maybe you did but um we're cutting back and forth between three different things at this point the doctors doing their computations at the factory keanu escorting rachel home and then uh Hans Gruber. Sinister, sinister van that as soon as I saw it, I shouted out loud, The Libyans! The Libyans! <laughs> the Libyans! I, I was thinking uh, Hans. I was thinking when Hans makes his entrance in Die Hard, I was just I like, mean, this is just the goons. I mean, if you put some Beethoven over that, uh, yeah, it, it would be the exact same scene of, of the truck pulling up to Nakatomi Plaza. But yeah, the whole mo- all of my notes here, every time the goons come up, I, I call them the Libyans. The Libyans, that's, that's, that's fair. <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, this is like when the score starts kicking in. So Jerry Goldsmith makes his appearance in earnest. Uh, and Keanu heads back cause he left his motorcycle yeah, at the factory. He has to go get it. Yeah. He's got to go pick up his baby. Uh, and he heads inside the factory though. And he like a klaxon's going off. The machine is on yeah. and it's going haywire. And then uh, he finds Alistair dead. He has a plastic bag over his head. Great dead acting here. Uh, I don't think this was a dummy either because I saw fillings in the guy's mouth. I'm like, I think this is a, this is dead acting here. Yeah, he's doing a he's doing a dead fish thing with his his mouth is wide open and he's laying on the ground. It doesn't look comfortable, but yeah, very good dead acting from this I man. I think it deserved a standing ovation. I thought it was fantastic. <laughs> Slow clap for that dead acting. Seriously, it was great. <laughs> uh, so Keanu runs around the factory for a bit. He tries to shut down the machine. Can't be done. Uh, we missed an important thing uh, a little a little further back that kind of helped us uh, realize there's going to be a conflict. Uh, Morgan Freeman and Alistair were having an exchange in the office while everybody was partying. Uh, put a pin in that. Uh, Morgan Freeman has left the facility and it at this point, and it's just the two guys in there. I apologize. Mm. So no, um, no, thank you. That that is an important detail, and uh, it also needs to be said that Keanu is running around the factory because he found Alistair. 
but he can't find Chen. No, he cannot find and, Chen. Yeah, he cannot find him. So he runs around for a bit, but then he gets wise to the fact that, you know, that machine is rocking and a rolling. Yeah. <laughs> and it's essentially a hydrogen bomb. You ever seen uh, those videos of when they throw a cement block into a dryer that's that's still plugged in and just dum 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 Yeah. Yeah, that's what's yeah. happening. Yeah, no. Um the uh, <laughs> This man has no dick, and he plans on unleashing all the ghosts in New York. Yes. Um, yeah. Things are not looking good. So he decides to book it. He hops on his motorcycle, and uh, he takes off, and we get a v- cla- classic running away from the explosion shot. A very 90s explosion shot. Yeah, uh, this is this is the 90s encapsulated. <laughs> it looked actually it looked better than the day after tomorrow, like those effects that they were throwing in there. I mean, for 1996, I'm like, this isn't that bad. This is pretty decent. A few shots this, were pretty decent. Yeah, I was, I was about to cut you off. There. Yeah. Um, so this was at that really curious and amazing time in special effects history where... Uh, CGI was a tool that was available, widely available at this mm-hmm. point, because Jurassic Park kind of like got the ball rolling. Where it's like, okay, this is a thing that people like. This is a thing that if we can, if we can make it work, it's gonna make us some money. Um, but practical effects, like practical explosions and miniatures in particular, were still widely used. Uh, they still kind of are to this day, but I guess not widely. But yeah, uh, the good shots in this explosion sequence are the miniature ones. Correct. Where where it's a physical object exploding, probably doctored with some degree of post-processing or CGI. But the straight-up CGI shots, though, are kind of raggedy. Um, it's similar to uh, Dante's Peak, I guess. Da- Dante's Peak has some wonderful practical effects, but the CGI elements mm, gets a little raggedy here. <laughs> Volcano is just raggedy top to bottom. <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, we get Keanu riding on his motorcycle away from essentially a, a hydrogen bomb explosion, <laughs> um, and he survives. Yeah, by the grace of God. Uh, he wasn't even leveled by that shockwave. Uh, yeah, by the way, the explosion is triggered it, uh, by the people in the van yes. uh, who we see driving away. Um, and what I could be wrong, but there's the guy with the monkey butt haircut that he was part of the original team that was working on the machine. I want to say he was in the van. It's very possible. And then he shows up at the end of the movie as a jackass. So, like, he was part of the the scheme from the get-go. Very possible. I didn't didn't notice him, um, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was an inside job. I mean, it had to have been a little bit of an inside job or somebody working with Morgan Freeman there. He's like, okay, here's what you're going to do. You're going to do this. It it, it could just be me being, like, reverse racist and seeing a white guy with a monkey butt haircut and just assuming it's the same guy. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's fair. You can do that. Uh, So, yeah, he makes it, and then Morgan Freeman... uh, He's sitting there on his computer with his uh, really delicious-looking cigar, and he's like, oh, it's new energy and such and so forth. And then what prompts him to go out and look outside, or does he get a phone call? He gets a phone call. Yeah, he gets a phone call, and he's like, what? And he goes out to his, he goes over to his window, and or does he have a balcony? He has a balcony. Yeah, he's got a balcony, and uh, I'd say maybe 10 miles away this explosion happened. And he didn't feel it, didn't hear it, nothing. He's like, oh, well, that's unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's kind of weird that he didn't feel it or anything. He didn't feel um, it. Fred Ward cites the explosion as being roughly like eight city blocks in terms of 
density, but um, the this shot of him looking through the city towards like the inflamed night sky is not good. <laughs> oh no no no, it's not good at all. It, it's it doesn't look good. Um, it's one of those things that's like I get why it's there. It shows the scale of the explosion a bit more from a different perspective, but it it's just not good. Yeah, not by today's standards. Uh, and then I think at this point we're introduced to the FBI. The FBI. No, it's not Johnson and Johnson. It's uh, Kevin Dunn, a very, uh, very pudgy Kevin Dunn, uh, subdued Kevin Dunn. Uh, it's funny you call him pudgy. This is this is streamlined. This is like prime Kevin Dunn. But like he lost a little bit of weight because he's got like a fat round face in this. He he slims down moving forward. Uh, I disagree. I think okay. he. I think he gets quite a bit larger. Uh, Fred Ward, uh, who I wanted, we, we kind of mentioned uh, earlier, but he is like a Tommy Lee. He's like a Tommy Lee Jones surrogate. He just doesn't have the. He doesn't have the charisma of Tommy Lee Jones. Like he's he very much plays a straight lace, you know, kind of hard ass guy. But Tommy Lee Jones is is way harder ass. I'm I'm thinking. Yeah, it, it's kind of a tough trick to pull off. And there's a reason why Tommy Lee Jones, what he got his supporting actor Oscar, I believe. For oh, uh, for Fugitive, I believe so. Yeah. Oh, and he um, he ad libbed that one line too. <laughs> no, there, there's there's a reason why he got the nod for that. It's because he's he's, he's very good at that. He's yeah. very he's great. He's always great, except for Batman Forever. <laughs> <laughs> I will disagree. Um, um, but Fred Ward, on the other hand. Is also great. I really like Fred Ward. Oh yeah, Tremors good. was one of my favorite movies. When oh I yeah, you love Tremors. And it was mostly because of him. Um, but Fred Ward is—he plays that guy. He's—he's he's a cowboy. Yeah. Like he's—he's he's chummy, but in terms of like playing a hard ass or like an enforcer of some sort, he's too likable. Like yeah. The whole—the yeah. whole time you're like, he doesn't really seem like he cares that much about catching anyone. He's just kind of like, eh, whatever. Tommy Lee Jones <laughs> drives me nuts sometimes. Like, in The Fugitive, U.S. Marshals, eh, he's just, he's stubborn. I think that's what it is. It's just like, he's smart, and he's stubborn, so you're just like, God damn it, and he has authority. There's nothing I can do. He's he's gonna get his way. God damn it. Well, also, it needs to be said that U.S. Marshals, basically the only reason... U.S. Marshals is what the uh, the lone gunman of movies. Mm. Um, are you are you familiar? Um, the lone gunman. Yeah. No. Um, if I remember right, uh, the lone gunman were uh, <laughs> is kind of like the MythBusters guys, but on the X Files. Oh yes, 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 yes. So it's just two two weird nerds that would hang out with David Duchovny. Three three weird nerds. Okay. So they got their own show at one point, if I remember right. Did they? I believe so. It didn't last very long. I could believe but, that. They were. But, I was always excited when I saw them on the X Files. They were apparently popular enough to to get an, a series of their own, or at least it was workshopped at some point. So U.S. Marshals, I think of as being just that, where it's like people's favorite parts. It's like it's kind of like the Lost World almost, where it's like you know Jeff Goldblum kind of ran away with that fucking movie. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should just give him the fucking movie. And so U.S. Marshals is like, you know, everybody's favorite part of The Fugitive was Tommy Lee Jones and Joe Pantoliano and those other people. Those other people. <laughs> those other people. Maybe we should just give their crew the whole movie. Um, and Fred Ward and Kevin Dunn are, are not Joe, Joe Pantoliano and those other people. No. <laughs> Which is kind of sad, but they, they give it a shot. 
If you um, let Kevin Dunn be more Kevin Dunn, he could be, but he's not Kevin Dunn in this. Like Kevin he's not- Dunn needs to have a child. He needs to have someone that he has authority over to yell at. No, they needed to not <laughs> cast Fred Ward. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Kevin Dunn needs to be the one leading this. He's yeah. the yeah. He's the uptight yeah. one who needs to be stressing out and yelling at people about stuff. Yeah, he, I mean, that's how you make the best use of your Kevin Dunn. Is he needs to be stressed the fuck out. He needs to have a wife or somebody telling him, like, mind your heart, honey. <laughs> who's, the only, be... <laughs> who's the only one worth remembering in that Godzilla movie that you hate? Uh, Kevin Dunn. He's Kevin the Dunn. one running shit. And he's, that's a very subdued Kevin Dunn also. Eh, a little bit, a little bit. Um, he, and... he, he raises his voice here and there, but he doesn't, like, throw a conniption fit or anything <laughs> he plays a bad guy in uh stir of echoes uh colonel oates from bill and ted's bogus journey is in here as well as one of the other fbi guys he's the one That's that looks right. like he's wearing a look like looks like he's wearing a toupee uh yeah. we should probably move on with the plot uh yeah so, so the media circus yes the explosion site. yeah media circus uh we've got morgan freeman they've got a few other people they're doing some questioning at fbi headquarters they're rounding up everybody um they don't have rachel vice or kinanu uh they they get rachel vice they get everyone uh and they're interrogate they interrogate all oh i'm sorry yes separately. i'm sorry yeah they they, they they yeah they get them all separate they get their stories make sure they match up and everything like that and it's it's pretty brief montage just clips here and there of mm-hmm. everybody being interviewed individually uh the the main theme throughout all these discussions is like where were you what were you doing and by the way where is dr chen everybody keeps asking about dr chen so uh, this is a this is a two-way whodunit this is keanu trying to figure out what's happening along with the fbi trying to figure it out the fugitive is just them trying to find him and him trying to solve who killed his wife there's too many whodunits in this movie there's too many whodunits and i don't know it doesn't have that personal touch i guess where it's like Harrison Ford was like, his wife got killed. There's motivation. He's, understa- yeah. he's understandably upset. <laughs> Keanu's just like, no, I'm not going in because i got to figure this out. Oh, no, that old guy who pays my rent is dead. I fucking <laughs> love that guy. <laughs> oh, no, how am I going to make rent next month? <laughs> I wish I could just do Matt's voice because then I could be a Keanu voice, an inside Keanu voice. Go back voice. to working at Jack in the Box. <laughs> this is gonna suck. <laughs> this summer is gonna suck. <laughs> Did you see Bram Stoker's Dracula? Um, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. So they they're looking for Doctor Chin. He's the missing piece. And um, Morgan Freeman's like, well, I believe he was probably killed in the explosion, but they can't seem to find Doctor Chin. Yeah. Uh, so this is where things get a little goofy. Is uh, yeah. by the way, Rachel, you know, <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Rachel lives at Alistair's house. Uh, she lives on the third floor of his house because kindness of his heart, he lets her live there. Yeah. Um, okay. So the FBI like kicks the door down. They start rooting through all of his stuff. Yeah. Because they're trying to get to the bottom of what the fuck happened. Uh, meanwhile, they just kind of let Keanu and Rachel Wise uh, mill about, like they're. They aren't detained anymore. No. Apparently, they're just allowed to wander about at will. Uh, So they go upstairs, and they're having a conversation, and uh, they get a fax. Yeah. There's a fax machine in the room that just goes, it just poops out some papers, and Rachel grabs the papers, and she's like, oh, it's from Dr. Chen. And Keanu's like, whoa. (laughs) This is is the moment where I'm like, okay, this is going to be interesting. And this is the part where... 
it needs to be said um from an acting like from a performance standpoint everybody shows up to play for this movie yeah, keanu's, keanu's, keanu's there a, he's a little tired but he's there i seem to remember reading that like he broke his leg on this film or something i can believe it um and he has it needs to be said he has a bad run Oh, I wanted to mention that. Uh, yeah, not Keanu. as bad, not as bad as Brian Cox's at the end, which we'll, we'll get to. Oh. oh, it was great. Even oh, Steph, it was glorious. Steph was, was glorious. watching this with me. She's like, "He Thank runs you. funny." <laughs> Thank you for pointing that out. It's only in exactly one shot, but it, I'm so glad we all noticed that. I need a GIF of it. There's got to be a GIF of Brian Cox running. I think I still have this movie on rental. I think I can get it for you. Okay, I will make that GIF. Um. Anyway, uh. This is what 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 I'm trying to say here is that everybody from an acting standpoint shows up to play. The score is pretty on point. The script is the problem. Uh, this is not a very good script, <laughs> as no. as evidenced by all the vague pseudoscience throughout the film. Um, and at one point, I actually had to take note of this uh, because Rachel, uh, after reading the facts, suspects that they're being framed. Uh, so much so to the point that she has to look just past the camera in close up and say, "I'm being framed." I'm like, "Thanks for pointing that out, Rachel." <laughs> Whoever thought this scene was edited well is an idiot because this is the this is the most awkward exchange. Like the little hug he gives her, like a like a half hearted hug yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, like yeah, there's there there <laughs> no chemistry between the two in this scene. Um, I think it, it gets better as it goes along. Uh, and by the way, later you get uh, Keanu and Rachel Weiss in a bath uh, with her in a bathtub again, uh, just like in Constantine. Weird. Uh, interesting. I'll, I'll mention later that? what I said to Steph. Um, Fascinating. <laughs> so let's uh, move along, and uh, I think we're gonna go back to Keanu's flat. We're gonna go back to his loft at yeah. some point. He. He starts to walk up, and then the cops get there before him, and he's like, oh, no, they're at my loft. And uh, they uh, they end up booking it, getting away from there. They're like, I don't think we're going to turn ourselves in. There's a conspiracy going on here, and we're just not having it. So the FBI get up to his loft, and uh, Kevin Dunn, that, see, this? I like this. Kevin Dunn's kind of running the scene. He's like, I want all that. He just points to it. He's not even to say, he's just, I want all of it. Uh, he's like, eh, what's this, hydrogen thing? Probably. Um, and then, uh, some guy comes up over the balcony. He's like, Hey, what's this? And he's like, it's a transmitter probably to China, uh, because they pick up some piece of paper. It's got Chinese, uh, it's got a Mandarin on it, I believe. Um, and then another guy is opening up what I always assumed was a bomb. Like whenever you saw this movie, you're like, that's a homemade bomb. Yeah, and you don't want to open that. <laughs> caution to the wind. This guy just starts cutting it open. And yeah. It's 200 it's a 250 grand and he's like, "Yo, boss." And now yeah, we've got when, when you open a present, you know, with a bow, you you can pull it a certain way and it just opens. This yeah. guy just just yeah, just, <laughs> just opens it straight it. up. Uh But yeah, uh they suspected Keanu right from the start because apparently he had a uh, bad history of Doing experiments that caused explosions. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, he had. I guess he had a, an incident. He was expelled or something like that. He Morgan Freeman's like, yeah, it was just an accident. It would have been really great if that hadn't happened. He was just, you know, working on a little something, and uh, it was, I guess it was just a misunderstanding. It caused some property damage. They had to let him go. What a big deal, apparently. Um, but yeah, they they want to pin this on him. They're like, he's just fitting it perfectly. Yeah. It's a little a little too raff. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so at this point, Keanu and Rachel are, are a pair. They're on the run. Um, they are fugitives. If you've ever seen the cover to the George Clooney movie, The Peacemaker, Mm-mm. that's what that's what they are throughout this movie. It's just handsome man, gorgeous woman holding hands on the run yeah. in a city. I mean, it's it's the prototypical action thriller from the 90s. Um, so they're on the run. They meet up with Morgan Freeman in a parking garage. Yeah, and, I like uh, this. This is this is where the uh, complexities, uh, more just like haziness of his character, but it's supposed to be complex, uh, starts to rear its ugly head. Uh, so he is immediately like helpful towards them. Although yes. the first thing he tells them is, "Turn yourselves in." Yes. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I got a lawyer. Let's go. Let's go talk to the FBI. And Keanu's like, "What? I don't know, man. That doesn't <laughs> sound good." That doesn't sound like a good deal, Shannon. Oh, we forgot to mention uh, Morgan Freeman. Depending, like, just based off of uh, the houses he has in this, is a multi-millionaire, if not yeah. billionaire. Houses, plural. Yeah. Um, House like noise houses. Yeah, I mean, when we saw him in, in that balcony shot overlooking the city, I don't know what that was, but. Apparently he owns that. If that was just his condo, we're like, okay, he's doing pretty well. Like, no, 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 he's got a couple other houses. So. I mean, that might be his like his loft where he sees his side piece or whatever. <laughs> if a, I don't know, he he's got multiple properties. If a guy like that says, "Hey, I've got a lawyer. We're gonna get out of this," I'm like, okay, that sounds good. It's like I I I believe you. I believe <laughs> in you. Uh, but yeah, he's but, like, oh, um, yeah, he's talking to them. Uh, He's like, what are you guys going to do? Like, it, it's apparent that Keanu's not going to turn himself in, and Rachel Weiss isn't going to do it either. So he's like, what are you going to do? He's like, I'm going to go to Maggie's. And uh, he's like, do you have any money? He's like, no, like 50 bucks. He throws them a wad of cash. And uh, they end up, they, they, they get out of there. And uh, they go to the Hyatt, some kind of Hyatt hotel bar. Yeah. Uh, I, think, I think it's the hotel bar. And, yeah, you're right. It was the Hyatt. Um, they're sitting there and they're like, what are we going to do? We got to go figure this shit out. There's a little bit of, you know, just dialogue. Um, almost immediately their faces, um, appear on the TV. Like, Hey, we're looking for this dude. He's missing this lady. Very hot. And then this guy looks like, uh, Matt. And, uh, they, uh, uh, this fucking guy at the bar, this, this, you come here. Come yeah, here. this this guy was this guy was fat as fuck too. Like he's skinny fat. Like he's like, oh, that guy's kind of fit. And then he stands up and like, oh, that that gut's hanging over the belt there, buddy. Yeah. But he's just like, do you see that guy? He saw the <laughs> back of his head. That's all he saw. And he just starts chasing after him, or he, he starts walking after him. He's like, what does he say? He's like, hey, stop, or hey, you turn around. I, I, sw- I swear, he says, hey, you come here. <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. And. uh he as runs, soon as Keanu shoots him a look, though, he runs away. <laughs> he yeah. runs to the cops. He <laughs> runs over to the cops, and the cops, w- like, without even, like, being prompted, they're just like, oh, okay, we got to go start chasing this guy. It needs to be said. Something that my dad always had problems with in movies was a police response time. Um, this one, these guys are on top of it. There's like, one th- scene that is impossible, and the payphone scene is Im- yeah, this is an yeah, impossible scene. Yeah. It cannot thank you. be happening. Thank you be for pointing that out. That was actually very strange. <laughs> but yeah, all the it needs to be said. All the cops, all the FBI agents, all the Libyans the in this Libyans. movie are on top of their shit. Um, as we're moving, so yeah, we, f- yeah, the we, we get our like first proper chase in our action thriller. It's a uh, foot chase. I see you're watching your parents' dog. 
Yeah. <laughs> I just thought be I heard quiet something. I was <laughs> oh, sorry. What the fuck was that? <laughs> yeah, I was like, dude, you got a you got a rat? I'm like, nope, nope, that's a dog. <laughs> um, yeah. So they they're we're getting our fugitive on here, and uh, we streets of Chicago. And somehow the the FBI get wind of uh, Keanu's running around downtown, and they got the cops chasing him, and. Uh, we get to a bridge. Would you like to uh, talk to talk about the bridge part? Yeah, so one thing that I'm a big fan of in action movies, and I need to point out that I'm actually not a big fan of this scene. <laughs> but, oh, no, it, uh, it's not a lot of payoff. Um, so something I like in my action movies, and it, a little bit of a lost art, is uh, set pieces. I like, like when I say truck chase in, in reference to Rages of the Lost Ark. Everybody knows, like, the, what, five-minute stretch of time that I'm talking about in that film? Truck Chase, T2. That's what I think of. Okay. Well, in reference to Raiders of the Lost Ark, though. I got you. If I'm talking about that movie and I say, hey, Kyle, remember the truck chase? I don't. Oh. That's why I was like, I I, I know you're trying to help me here. I'm like, nope, I don't got it. Or the plane fight. Okay. You got me there. You got me the plane fight. Yeah. Yeah. Or, Or in... Like Mission Impossible Fallout, the bathroom fight. Okay, now I'm with you. I, I love things like that, where it's like a, a big trend that seems to be happening. In oh, I remember the act- truck chase. I apologize. I remember the truck chase now. Sorry. Thank, thank you for redeeming <laughs> yourself on the air. <laughs> um, Goddamn. Uh, a trend that seems to have popped up in like the past 10 years of action movies is uh, cross-cutting between multiple things happening concurrently. Like, the... the I've brought this up before, but the worst example I can think of is a Cradles of the Grave, where like we I think we cut back and forth between Anthony Anderson trying to like pull one over on somebody in a building, DMX on an ATV, and Jet Li fighting the entire UFC at the time. <laughs> <laughs> and the majority of the screen time goes to DMX on that goddamn ATV. Uh, by, cr- by cutting back and forth between all of these things, you lessen the impact of all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, in this case, Rachel Weisz is pushed into a cab. Uh, Keanu tells her, buy a train ticket for me and you. I will meet you at the station at such and such time. So he's engaged in a foot chase. She's a non-issue. We know she's safe. She got away. So what I like about this scene is that it's focused, is that we never cut away from him running away from the cops because we're trying to keep the tension up and the way you do that is you don't you don't cut away from it yeah so uh, the gimmick for this foot chase because we've all seen foot chases it's like one of the most common things like and parkour wasn't a thing yet so we're no. not doing that yet <laughs> um the gimmick here is that there's a drawbridge involved uh so the drawbridge goes up and Keanu has to run up a steep grade we get a you get a fun little stunt here where a cop actually tries to like crawl up after him yeah. and gets like and stumbles and falls off so we get to see him sliding down and like a steep incline on the bridge which is kind of fun but then we get like 10 minutes of Keanu very slowly crawling into the underside of the bridge and then like the bridge getting lowered and him stalling the bridge by throwing you always, if there are gears in an action movie, something has to get jammed in them. It's oh, yeah. just a rule. <laughs> it's just a rule. Something has to get jammed in those gears. Uh, but the scene just drags on too long, and there's no... The I score is going nuts, but the energy level is very low. Well, it the, um, there's a way to 
shoot these where you're like, how is he going to get out of this? Like, I just don't see how he's going to get out of it. And you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't see that coming. I didn't know how he thought of that. This is like, how is he going to get out of it? And then when it's over, you're like, how did he just get out of that? It's it's very unclear as to how he gets out of this situation. I don't think an explanation is provided. He just like kind he of... Stall, he stalls the bridge and then somehow gets out. And then they come in and he's not there anymore. And then he like falls into a garbage truck. It's kind of like a like a tunnel scene where like oh the cops are coming from this end of the tunnel and this end of the tunnel like where am I gonna go? There's nowhere to go. Oh, either down or through a door. Like I have to go through a sewage uh, sewage door thing, whatever you call those things, or uh, find a door and go underneath somehow. But here's or just like he or do some other thing where like there's a chaotic crowd scene where like a steam vent yeah. goes off and then like he puts his jacket up over his head and just slips out the back or something you know but no it just kind of the way it's edited he just kind of gets away he just gets away yeah he yeah. uh he, he gets away and uh he makes it to the train with uh, rachel vice and they're out of there yeah it's, it's a cute reunion but it's a nothing little scene um next we get to the senate hearing which i found to be very interesting uh, I believe that's <laughs> this, the next. this this felt like something that was maybe written after they cast morgan freeman where it's like, oh shit, we got Morgan Freeman. We better give him a speech. We got to give or him th- he's... or three. Yeah, <laughs> he's got to have a couple of speeches. Uh, a little yeah. bit of. Well, he gives us the exposition at the end. Like, uh, what was the whole point of this? Blah 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 blah. Um, but here we get Brian Cox is uh, sitting in this meeting. Uh, Morgan Freeman and uh, I believe it's his assistant or a couple other people are sitting in front of uh, a few senators, and they're questioning him about, oh, well, we're giving you all this money, and where's it all going? We're not seeing anything, you know, and. Um, the, the two FBI agents are, are there as well. But uh, there's an exchange back and forth, and the senator says something. Um, he says, what assurances do I have that something like this isn't going to happen again? Now, I want to remind you folks listening, this was an explosion that leveled eight city blocks. This is a, like, this is a national news story. This is going to be on the news constantly for the next month. Like, there's no getting yeah. around it. Eight, eight city blocks visible from the heart of downtown Chicago. This <laughs> this is one of the biggest fuck-ups ever. And Morgan Freeman is, uh, they're like, what, what, what assurances do we have that, you know, this isn't going to happen again? What the fuck are you talking about? You're not getting any more money. You're fired. Uh, there's no way you're getting any more funding. You Whether this was somebody broke in and did this or you did this one way or another you were unfit to be overseeing this project we are cutting funding immediately but no they're just like what is this going to happen again he's like well i don't know it might <laughs> actually like, actually like his, if i remember right his response is none there are no assurances <laughs> that this is going to happen he's again. like i can't offer you any uh, but I'm Morgan Freeman, and if I just keep talking, you'll just fall in love with me. <laughs> because, um, goddamn, that's wonderful to listen to. There, there's something interesting about Brian Cox. Now, I, I believe I've, I've heard this um, from, like, maybe the Graham Norton show or some British actors were talking about what's the easiest American accent to do. And whether they admit it or not, you and I both know it's Southern accent. Uh, oh, yeah. that, that's the easiest one to do. Um, and Brian Cox is, again... Doing a southern accent in this movie. I always thought you were one of a kind. One of a kind, (laughs) yes. (laughs) He always does a southern accent, except for Super Troopers. He doesn't do a a southern accent in Super Troopers, but he does a southern... I think his Hannibal Lecter is from the south, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Uh, Yes, I I think you're right. Um, I think in 
the Steven Seagal movie, uh, The Glimmer Man. I'm pretty sure he does his there as well. And I think he also plays a CIA guy in that one too. Mm. Um, it's uh, He's very good at it. He, <laughs> I believe him. I believe him as a CIA agent or some kind of suit. I definitely see him as that. And yeah, I like he, him in this movie too. He's fine. Brian Cox is great. Oh, yeah, he's always great. He's he is so good at what he does. Do you remember him as that piece of shit uncle in Ring in uh, the Ringer? Yes, okay. I do. That movie's awful, <laughs> but he is the best part of it. He's great. So uh, I believe following the Senate committee, uh, we follow Morgan Freeman home to his mansion. You know, yes, this is the White House apparently. Pretty much, uh, and we see pretty blatantly <laughs> that the FBI are surveilling him. Um, they have agents posted like across what would you call this it's not across the street he has like one of those driveways that's like a thousand feet long it's it's across the street rich um rich people so means like (laughs) it's like oh a couple acres away like it's a it's a pretty decent distance it's walkable but you really have to have a reason to walk over there it's it's a oh it's Damn you, Adams! Yeah, <laughs> it's a damn you, Adams. That's correct. Keep the ball, John. <laughs> I've got the whole bucket. <laughs> oh, it's um, not Halloween yet. Ugh, can't wait I to know, watch it again. I, uh, the one detail that comes from this scene that's important for reasons like an hour from now is uh, he seems fully aware that they're watching him, uh, and he goes into his bedroom, and underneath some towels, he finds a pistol that he grabs and puts on his person end scene <laughs> and then uh we get introduced to sea systems in uh virginia it uh so it's like an aerial shot and by the way uh, we've had numerous on-screen titles in this movie for like important locations some of which are not important at all but people like titles anyway we get introduced to this facility uh overhead shot uh it looks like like the Large Hadron Collider facility or something. I was about to ask Stefan, like, is that the Pentagon? And I stopped myself. I'm like, no, Kyle, that's a circle. That's a circle building. That's yes, not that a Pentagon. <laughs> Shapes. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, it could be the Large Hadron Collider facility, although I have no idea when that was built, so I might be completely full of shit. Anyway, um, C-Systems is a apparently some sort of gigantic facility in Virginia, and Morgan Freeman uh, seems to have some sort of sleazy side hustle going on with Mr. Brian Cox, yes. uh, whose character's name is Lyman, by the way. Um, so they they reconvene at Sea Systems. It's like an underground facility. And the FBI have no jurisdiction. They can't get in there. It's, it's yeah, way out of their pay grade. Yeah. So they're, they're like making the T-virus there or something. <laughs> Resident Evil reference. <laughs> yeah, basically, it's it's an underground it's an underground layer, basically. Yeah, uh, actually, yeah, it does kind of feel like a Bond movie or something. Yeah. So Morgan Freeman is like talking to like what looks like a board of directors almost. Yeah. And uh, he gets a phone call though. That's from Keanu, who he expressly told to not call him. Yeah. <laughs> he said, "I will call you. Good job, Keanu. The one thing I told you not to do, you did it." And this is where the police response time comes in. Yeah, we get uh, Morgan Freeman. He picks up the phone. It's some other lady's voice. And then Keanu takes over. And then he immediately scrambles the signal. But the police are able to pick up on Keanu's uh, payphone uh, location. And they're like, okay, we've got him. While they're still having the conversation, uh, which takes less than 30 seconds, uh, the 
FBI are like, all right, alert the local authorities. Almost immediately, cops are just coming down the hill. Blueberries and cherries all the way. See, I would expect this from, like, a Chinese movie where it's like, we need to alert the central government. (laughs) It's like, whatever problem we have, we need to alert the central government. Do you remember? Cue action military guy springing springing in to save the day. See, remember how much fun Enemy of the State was? But they knew pretty much at all times where he was. It was just like, okay, he's in one of these four buildings. And then they've got... Teams of dudes running all over the place looking for him. Like, oh, he's over here. Barry Pepper must have been in incredible shape for that movie because all I can, all the shots I can just remember seeing Barry Pepper sprinting. Barry Pepper sprinting. Barry Pepper, Jake Busey, and what the guy from uh, Ocean's Eleven, the oh, kind of dopey looking dude. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's James Con's son. They Scott Con. They all had frosted highlights. That's yeah. all you need to know. <laughs> yeah, they all had frosted uh, highlights. But yeah, they. But yeah, man, uh, Barry Pepper did do a lot of sprinting. In he was. Shit. He's like the. He's the main face that they show of that team. Like he's in every almost every shot with Will. Uh, Should have given Smith. more screen time to Jake Busey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to rewatch that. I remember that being a lot of fun. Um, I I thoroughly enjoyed that movie, and yeah. and it's worth talking about right now because it does bear some similarities to this. You know, it's it's got it's people running away from giant shadowy organization. Yeah. It's That's a it's is. a thing it's a thing you can't fight. So all you can do is run and hope that you can outrun the technology. Run, run, run. Uh, so enemy, go, yeah, go no, we've got, <laughs> we got to mention that uh, Keanu meets up with Maggie. She's got an observatory. Uh, she's got a giant telescope. She's looking at shit, um, and she's the one. She wears a, a leather jacket. Yeah. Uh, she's, she's that a, kind of scientist. She's pretty cool. <laughs> um, I guess she's, she's an cool old, old friend of Keanu's, and she's the one that takes him to the payphone. Um, and the cops, you know, lay chase. They're they're searching for him, and uh, they get up to they get back to the observatory, and the janitor from Scrubs, uh, <laughs> he uh, he he gets the drop on him basically, and he's like, hey, freeze, and they just take off running <laughs> in the observatory. He's like, hey, come back, hey, stop running. <laughs> and, they do not listen to him. They at do all. not listen. He has no authority here, and uh, he he manages to get he gets him up on the roof, and. Uh, my, Steph was actually pointing out uh, how this is really bad. Um, he's got him on the roof, and he's like, "Freeze!" And they like they realize that they're done. Like we're 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 done now. And he's like, "Turn around, walk towards me. That's close enough." I'm like, and she's like, "No, no, no, no." She would he would tell them to get on the ground, put their hands behind their head, and yep. uh, <laughs> he gets them pretty close. And uh, a helicopter, uh, the T1000, basically just pops up out of nowhere <laughs> in a helicopter, and. Uh, they're like, well, I guess these are the cops. You know, they're done for now. Where, where's this going to go? Well, it's actually the goons, uh, the Libyans. <laughs> the Libyans uh, shoot the cop. And um, Keanu takes the dude's gun, and they take off running again. Yeah, uh, it needs to be said that this entire chase is happening in, uh, in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, and it is Chicago. snowy as fuck out. It's very cold. Um, by the way... Uh, not so much T-1000 in the helicopter made me think more of a lethal weapon when they're talking to Tom Atkins and oh, just helicopter yeah, goes, correct. <laughs> That's actually 100% correct. You're right. Um, um, but yeah, the Libyans are in the chopper, by the way. Yeah. They, they have themselves a aerial RV. Um, <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, so this uh, this foot chase ensues, and, and like you had mentioned, um, important detail here is that Janitor from Scrubs is now dead. Yeah. And Keanu has his gun. So now Keanu has a weapon. Yes. Oh, no, a physicist with a gun. <laughs> Look out. <laughs> he doesn't even know gun foo yet. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, this <laughs> this was quite a while before John Wick, so he did not know how to handle it very well. Um, so the the big set piece here, and again, many 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 action thrillers coming out at this time, so we need a gimmick. We can't yeah. just have people running, especially since Keanu does not look good on screen running. And like I said, I do believe he broke his leg on the set for this oh, movie. Oh no! Uh, so I actually did find out what happened. He injured himself in a. Uh, he was in Canada and he was just doing like a pickup game of hockey. I guess they do that. And uh, he injured his neck and back, and that's why wow. he's uh, why he's so rigid in this movie. Like he's just very not Keanu. Well, that... He 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 does not move well in this movie. He is not and... young, dumb, and full of cum like he was in Point Break. So, <laughs> uh, I also read that. Um... I can't remember what movie it was, but it was one that I was uh, I was considering doing for this month. But anyway, um, I read that he gained a substantial amount of weight for the role, and it was apparently easy because he was injured at the time. So I think just like, Fuck it. he just he he gained it because of the injury. I think that was why. Oh, by the way, the motorcycle was a 1976 Kawasaki KZ1000 requested by Keanu Reeves himself. So there you go. <laughs> I kind of figured. There you go. <laughs> Um, but yeah, the gimmick here for this chase scene mm-hmm. is a, a swamp boat. <laughs> uh, you haven't seen season two of Archer, uh, but immediately when I saw it, the, this airboat comes on there. And it, when I send you the second season of Archer uh, for Christmas, uh, he com- he says, I've been waiting my whole life to literally say this phrase. I'm commandeering this airboat. And that's immediately what I thought of. Uh, so yeah, he... Figures out how to drive an air. I'm not. I don't know how hard it is to drive an airboat. They really. They don't really entice me. They seem loud and not that great and super dangerous. But he manages to figure it out. Um, he. <laughs> There's a bit of a learning curve because he does go in a circle for about 20 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> um, apparently, this was a difficult scene for them to shoot because, like I said, we're doing on location in uh, the like the Chicago area, and it gets fucking cold up there so i guess it was like the wind it, it was so windy and it was just really hard for the shoot because it was so cold um but yeah they they hop onto this airboat and they're going across the lake and they're trying to shake this helicopter dude it needs to be said um like in terms of like energy of editing and quality of shots this scene was actually maybe one of the best in the movie it's not bad uh, th- there's some great helicopter shots not just in terms of like the piloting of the chopper that's in the film but like the camera rig on the chopper mm-hmm. just, just ace ace good stuff um it needs to be said though this looked dangerous as fuck yeah, it, <laughs> like, did. it looked very like, dangerous i'm guessing rachel wise and her stunt woman were strapped the fuck in because they're just bouncing around like yeah. they're, they're on an ice lake so it's not even like they're bouncing around and i'm like jesus christ she could go flying out of the boat any second now and uh, yeah there's a chopper chasing them uh i don't even know how they evade the chopper they just like take a turn and somehow the aerial rv cannot follow them it's like what the fuck just happened um but they get out of the the airboat uh Keanu puts a sandbag on the gas pedal because apparently airboats have gas pedals and uh, it just takes off uh, it's very similar to Tremors like when they set the lawnmower or whatever going um, and then uh, the chopper chases after the airboat and it too little too late they discover oh hey Keanu and Rachel are not in there anymore and um, uh, I believe we cut to them trudging through ice water at this yeah. point they end up walking through some ice. Um, I was going to say the cop casting in this movie is superb. Superb. Uh, I think like, that 
I think we read. I think I read in the Fugitive there was a couple of people who were like actual cops from Chicago. I wouldn't be surprised if like the emergency response team that were on the airboat. I'm pretty sure they were probably real uh, EMTs or uh, paramedics. Uh, I think a lot of the cops in this movie, the the cops on the stakeout. I'm pretty sure these were all real cops. I wouldn't be surprised at all if they were all real Chicago because they all have yeah. a must. They all have the Ditka mustache and they all look about 20 or 30 pounds overweight. What what they needed was Dennis Farina on the set. That's two on the nose, but yeah. I know, but imagine his contribution to this film. Like, that's actually part of what this was missing. It's like a snappy, oh. fun guy. Dennis Farina would have just, he would have just tightened this whole thing up. It would have been a lot more fun. Like, imagine, I agree. imagine like Kevin Dunn butting heads with Dennis Farina. I like that. That would be great. Yeah, that would have been pretty no, great. No, I would love that. But um, I'm so glad you brought up the, the casting of the cops because, um, like I said, Above the Law is the first movie that comes to mind when i think of this director andrew davis um that movie took place in chicago um i think you point out he also did under siege and the fugitive um there is a guy that looks like teddy roosevelt but with like white hair Mm -hmm. that is in every movie i just mentioned i think and then uh he also did Code of Silence with Chuck Norris, which is yeah. also takes place in Chicago. I'm not a big Chuck Norris fan. I've never either. seen a single minute of his movies. Uh, they're generally not very good, but I would, I think I put Lone Wolf McQuaid at the top and then Code of Silence just below it. And Code of Silence is very good. And again, that Teddy Roosevelt-looking guy and half of the other cops in all of the movies we've just been mentioning are in there. And I have a strong feeling that Andrew Davis has a strong connection to... Chicago, and one of the cops in this movie uh, was actually in The Dark Knight. Like, I mm-hmm. have no idea what yep. his name is, but I know exactly he's who you're the guy. About. He's the guy in the elevator when mm. the Joker crashes Bruce Wayne's party. He's the guy that's like holding up the badge as like the false front. He's like a blink and you miss him. Yeah, like I, I recognized him. He's he's one of Gordon's guys, like one of Jim Gordon's guys. That's apparently corrupt or something. Anyway, uh, we're trudging through the ice water and uh. This is where the the goofy editing starts to rear its ugly head again because I think we're in the ice water for about 10 seconds and then Rachel Weisz says, I can't feel my legs. Yeah. Hypothermia doesn't kick in this quick. Yeah, it was real quick. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, we, we get out of the water. We find an abandoned mansion? Yeah, we get in. Uh, well, uh, I would... I'll chalk it up to Lake House because they were on a lake. That's how they got away. Um, I guess rich people only use their lake house in the summertime. And Steph and I were like, I would just live at the lake house. Like that, I would just go fishing. You live in the lake it's house. It's a very large piece of property. <laughs> yeah, it's a big piece of house. And uh, <laughs> yeah, we get in, and this is pretty funny. He kicks the door in. There's sheets up. Let us know that the you know, house is not being used right now. And he's like, I'm gonna turn on the stove to get you warm. <laughs> We have fire. He's an idiot. You turn on the oven. You turn the oven to 500 and you open the door. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> he, yeah, he, I was like, why don't you get a bath going? Why, why would you be turning on that? And he does get a bath going after this. Um, it, and we get, again, like I said, uh, Constantine, we get um, Keanu Reeves with, uh, I mentioned this uh, to Steph while we were watching. Well, yeah, I'm like, look, it's Keanu Reeves and Rachel Vice, and he's got her in a bathtub. Just like in Constantine, she's like, huh? Like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, yeah. He, uh, <laughs> he, uh, he drowns her in a tub in Constantine to send her to hell. Yep. <laughs> she's, yep. just like, she's like, oh, 
I don't need sounds a context nice. for that. <laughs> He's like, that sounds nice. He's, she's trying to find her twin sister in hell. Like, whatever. It's like, I'm, okay. glad, I'm glad you watch good movies, boyfriend. <laughs> Thanks for watching that uh, one without me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, they do the body-to-body thing where he's trying to warm her up uh, it's all done it's all cut tastefully there's like there's very little romance involved here um but yeah the the editing here is kind of goofy because we see him in the kitchen and he lays down on top of her with some blankets and they got the stove going <laughs> yeah. and uh and then yeah we cut to her in a bathtub and she's got her clothes on and he's like I don't know, sprinkling water on her. Yeah, it's weird. Like, the sequencing feels off somehow, where it's like, hang on, I feel like there's a whole scene missing here. Because her in the bathtub lasts about five seconds, and there's no explanation given as to why he's in there with her or why she's still in her clothes. Yeah. uh, It it just comes out of nowhere. It's a weird little detail. Um, Can we... Go ahead. I was going to say, can we get to my favorite line in the whole movie when we get absolutely the, the FBI agents are uh, talking to Morgan Freeman at his house. Mm-hmm. Uh, they very rudely interrupt him while he's trying to work. Uh, yeah, they uh, the FBI come come calling on uh, on Morgan Freeman at his house, and they're they're starting to kind of figure out that maybe Morgan Freeman's not not giving him as much information as he could be, and uh, questioning him and. Uh, Fred Ward says something to him. He's like, "So that justifies killing somebody or something like that." And Morgan Freeman's like, "Maybe I don't know." And uh, Fred Ward says, "National national security doesn't doesn't include murdering people domestically, at least." <laughs> I had a pretty good laugh at that. No, Fred Ward is a good guy to 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 give those lines. He has Dom- a good delivery domestically, at least. No. Um, it needs to be said that that's actually like the thesis for morgan freeman's character mm-hmm. um i don't think we mentioned during the senate committee he gives a big speech like a big impassioned speech and i don't remember word for word what is said but essentially the point is uh we're in a like a technology or a uh, yeah a technology or a science arms race right now with the rest of the world and it's in our best interest to continually be ahead of the game even if it costs a few lives here and there yeah and this comes up again and again even with the conversation you just mentioned it also needs to be said that uh (laughs) another little hiccup in the script here one of the fbi agent guys when they're investigating morgan freeman uh brings up his his past and how he came into all the money he has like who's who's punching his meal ticket basically um and darpa comes up and very similar to Rachel Weiss saying directly, almost directly into the camera, I'm being framed. Yeah. <laughs> the FBI guy says, oh, yeah, he's got some connections to DARPA. Then he puts the paper down and, again, pretty much looks directly into the camera. Defense Advanced Research Projects <laughs> Agency. For yeah. you folks at home who didn't know that. <laughs> didn't know that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you. Yeah, I'm going to tell you because, you know, none of these FBI guys in the room knew that. <laughs> Um, yeah, so now they, uh... They're F- eating sardines in bed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Rachel Wise is eating sardines, served up to her by Keanu. She got her makeup done in between scenes, apparently. Yeah, she got Because <laughs> she just came out of a frozen lake and just had a bath, but now she's all made up again. That's cool. <laughs> and then, uh, I think we get Morgan Freeman and Brian Cox having a little tiff. Like, they're having a pissing contest here. Yeah, they they argue off and on here here and there. Um, 
Yeah, because I have Brian Cox is Scottish. He usually does a southern accent. Uh, that's all I took <laughs> from this scene. Yeah, yeah it, it's a nothing little scene. It, yeah. Again, this this is stuff that carries on throughout the entirety of the film. It's basically, they work together, but they don't like each other. Yeah, it's, it's to highlight that Morgan Freeman isn't the one... There's a little bit of a power struggle here, and it doesn't seem that Morgan Freeman is all bad, and it's more like... Brian Cox is more the bad guy here. I'm not such a bad guy. Once you get to know me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so... Um, But yeah, bad guys in the house. No, bad guys in the house. house. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is this is kind of the way this was shot was kind of funny. Uh, so Keanu's on his nightly uh, freezing cold walk out in winter, and he comes back in and uh, oh, there's I think there's people in the house. Uh, yeah, there's a flashlight he sees through the window. Yeah, he sees a, he sees a flashlight up in the window, and he goes in and uh, he goes by the staircase. Uh, he has a gun, I think, at this point. So he's he's got his gun ready, and he goes turns his head around the staircase right as a, a man is walking by. And the way this the way this was edited was kind of funny because the, the guy walks by, and Keanu puts his head back around. And he kind of does like a puzzled like, where'd he go? Like you saw him walking. Where do you think he went? Generally, when people walk in a straight line, they keep they continue on that path. It's meaning just, pa- past the staircase. <laughs> it was just a weird. It was a weird shot. Like, why don't you just have him start walking up the stairs, not be puzzled by what just happened? It's like a dog. Like, where? Wait, where'd he go? Wait, which yeah, way? Did it, he go? <laughs> peekaboo with a child. So he goes up here, and there's uh, a scuffle with this uh, this first guy. He shoots him down the stairs, and now we have to find uh, the other person. There's another guy walking around upstairs, and uh, they get into a scuffle. Uh, the movie has to go on, so Keanu uh, takes care of him as well. Yeah, uh, they they get into a little wrestling match. That's typical 80s slash 90s fighting where there's no technique. It's just kind of two guys grabbing each other's coats and moving around. <laughs> also, Keanu's injured at this point in real life, so he can't be yeah. doing too much grab ass. Uh, and yeah, the, I believe the fight ends with... Rachel Weisz bopping the guy on the head with a piece of a toilet. Yeah, Troy Duffy. Uh, I think Troy Duffy might have seen this. Like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Very disappointing. It doesn't break. No, it doesn't bops. break. Yeah, I was like, what? Come on, Just man. break it. Break the damn yeah. thing. Yeah, it's porcelain. It, it looks great on camera. And you get that cool shatter noise. But no, it's just bonk, and he, he goes out. Uh, and then they jack uh, those two guys' car. Um, yes. And in there, Rachel Weisz finds an ID card belonging to one of them that uh, has the C-Systems like branding on it. So now they're starting to put together the pieces. They're like, oh, C-Systems. That's where the Libyans are from. Yeah. <laughs> so they're starting to work their way towards Morgan Freeman and Brian Cox at this point. Uh, and now they stop at a flower shop. Yeah. And Keanu uh, tells Rachel, like, if it's crowded, don't go in. It's it's a flower shop. Yeah. It's a <laughs> it's flower not shop. It's crowded in, in the a, dead of winter. The dead of winter <laughs> in a small town, and it's like Tuesday afternoon. Uh, it's Tuesday morning. Nobody's in there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, they go in, uh, and they're going to send some flowers out to Morgan Freeman to get a message to him, I suppose. Um, we don't see the florist, the the delivery driver, drop off the flowers, but the assistant, the wormy little assistant's like, I don't know who these are from, but somebody dropped you off some flowers. Ran- random British guy. Yeah. Like, that was weird. I don't, know who, I don't know who that was. Maybe he's a producer or something, but it's like, oh, curious. Why do, do you does, go... Is Morgan your... Freeman... 
so rich that he has a British butler. <laughs> Are you <laughs> like clouding he your mind a with butler? the inconsequential? Uh, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, he drops. Yeah, he's got a British butler. I mean, yeah, he's rich. Okay, that's what it is. That's why there's a British guy. He's like letting you know how much money he has. He has a British butler. So. I didn't. Yeah, he wasn't even the best candidate for the job, but you know, <laughs> so like, I like his voice. Um, yeah, I, like, I like his voice. He talks funny. <laughs> he talks funny. I like it. I, I like Morgan Freeman doesn't even know what British people are. Just like I like his voice. It's weird. It's like Oz, but not quite the same. Um, so yeah, the FBI end up uh, getting the delivery driver at the end of the the driveway. Is like, hey, we need you to step out of the car. Let me see your inventory because they're gonna track where these flowers came from. And I'm sitting there, and who pops out of the out of the uh, out of the van, Trevor? That would be baby Michael Shannon. Baby scrawny, skinny little Michael Shannon. And Steph's like, it's not Michael Shannon. I'm like, that's Michael Shannon. She's like, it's that not is Michael, Michael Shannon. Shannon. And as then soon he, as he started speaking. It, I didn't even need him to start speaking. And then I was like, wait. And he goes, oh, you need to look at my uh, you need to look at my uh, inventory. It's over there. I'm like, that's 100% <laughs> Michael Shannon. Yeah. Yeah. Like, as soon as he started speaking, I was like, yep, that's, that's him. It's <laughs> so weird seeing people that, like, they take on, like, this is... This is a minor role. You got to get started somewhere as an actor, but like the roles he has now, it's just so funny to see that he was a delivery driver. Now he's one of the scariest human beings in a movie. Well, even in the in the two shots that he's in, he's significantly taller than most of the people in the frame. Very tall. And like it, it needs to be said that like I think the first shot he's in, it's it's like over his ear almost, so you don't even see his face. But all I needed was just to hear his voice. And then the next shot, and there's only like two shots. It's just him standing against his van. He's like, yeah, he's a funny looking guy. He asked me to deliver some some flowers. And it's like, like, yep, that's baby Michael Shannon, all right. And then back to back, man. Like, this movie hit me twice. Like, bam, bam, one, two. We get baby Michael Shannon and then a Spawn reference. (laughs) A Spawn reference? There was a reference to Spawn in this movie. What? Yeah, so the the letter that he sent to Morgan Freeman uh, had, it was like Spawn versus something or other. Oh! And the the FBI guys are debating what what the code message is. Like, what the fuck does this mean? And so, like, someone suggests, like, oh, maybe it's a wrestling match or something. It's like, no, it's got to be something else. And... Then a lady says, Dottie. "Oh, Spawn, like like the comic, like it's that guy who came back from the dead and did the thing." And Todd McFarlane at the time is probably going, "Fucking yes, 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 <laughs> fucking yes, <laughs> hit the big time." Oh, it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, uh, via this uh, this. Floral delivery message. Um, actually, he uh, Todd McFarlane was actually do uh, was probably filming Spawn at the time of this release. I mean, that was what ninety eight, ninety seven. Spawn was ninety seven. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, and actually, I just I typed in Spawn, and the first thing that popped up was Spawn, Jeremy Renner, Jamie Fox, Todd McFarlane. It's in the works, people. It's in the works. Yeah. No. I, I, I was sending you updates there for a little while, but yeah. they seem to peter out for a little bit. Um, we'll see. Maybe it ends up being a series instead of a movie. But Jamie Foxx is bankable. If they get him, if they get him, they That'll can get work. a movie. That'll work. <laughs> That'll oh. do. Um, um, but yeah, they they arrange a meeting with Morgan Freeman. 
yeah. Keanu and Rachel uh, at and this was very funny <laughs> um, it's at the Smithsonian yes um, so there's a bad be real shot in here that I just needed to point out where Keanu holds out the C Systems ID card to Morgan Freeman and we get a close up of it it's like that could be anyone's hand in any location holding that ID card <laughs> it's in the dark dimension somewhere that was probably filmed months after this <laughs> but the, the like the font and the production quality of that ID card is like man Morgan Freeman I know you're rich you can afford better than that <laughs> it's you like can you better. can at least afford a laminator or some shit um but yeah long story short it's like a nothing conversation uh the well they Morgan Freeman finally drops the facade yeah. he finally like fesses up to the fact that yeah you know that big explosion I didn't necessarily do it but I didn't stop it from happening. Yeah. <laughs> and, he's, he's speaking and he's tr- in not admissible. He's like, I don't know. Might have happened. Might not have happened. I don't know. I mean, the, the way I think of it is, like, you point at someone. He did the... He converted it into a thumb. <laughs> yeah. Where it's it's the political thumb, where it's like, I don't know. That would depend on what is, is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is your definition of guilty? Um, yeah. But yeah, um, so Morgan Freeman has admitted that, yeah, he's into some shady shit, and he wants Keanu and Rachel to turn themselves in and come work for him at Sea Systems because uh, he wants them to finish the experiment, basically. Yeah. Um, which is very strange, being as I thought they did that already before he blowed it up. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> um, yeah. the Libyans show up at the Smithsonian, and Keanu beats some ass here. Uh, no, uh, he... he he stiff arms a dude. Like, okay, so yeah, he he beats some ass. He literally gets out. He stiff arms a dude out. Like he just, boom, dude gets down. I'm like, that dude's dead. That dude is fired. <laughs> you are a goon, and you get yeah. stiff armed by the guy you're chasing. You get shot in the head. You get stiff armed by a crippled physicist. Oh, he's <laughs> a physicist. He's, he, he whittles with machines. He's not even. <laughs> He plays with keyboards and lathes at the same time. I don't even know what he does. But, yeah, he does stiff arm a guy, and it's pretty great. Because it's, it's kind of, like, half-hearted, right? I don't even think it was intentional. I think he was in the middle of tripping, and he just reached out for something, and his palm just happened to catch the guy's face. I'll give the goon the benefit of the doubt. Maybe the goon thought that he was a nerd. He's just like, right, this guy's going to be no problem. He's a nerd, and he wasn't I mean, ready for it. I mean, it's like that robot chicken sketch. It's like, we don't know how this guy's day started. Like maybe maybe he's in the middle of a divorce. And like, and like, and he's like got other he's got, shit going on. He had a lot of paperwork to do this morning. He he skipped his coffee. He missed oh, he, breakfast. He's, he's like, just not. He's not in a good headspace. Right I don't now. think that. I don't think that chicken burrito was cooked all the way. Oh fuck! <laughs> yeah, he was. He was just not ready for it. Everybody yeah. has an off day every once in a while. So but, yeah, um, they um, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, um, Keanu takes off running. Uh, he tries to like hide Rachel Weisz inside a replica plane that they have in the middle of the exhibit. Uh, big, big dude. I, I can't remember what movie this is. Maybe you can help me. It's the big, 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 big black guy. Yeah. Um, was it like Air Force One or something that he he's wearing like a, a tight like Under Armour suit throughout the whole thing, but he has... A submachine gun 
that is way too small for him. <laughs> uh, and he's like, he plays a goon in that movie, and he makes it almost to the end of the movie because he just has that great presence because he's gigantic and he's got a cool look to him. It's I he's can't actually remember he's in the Fugitive and he's also in uh, U.S. Marshals. Uh, he's he was not in Air Force One, but he was in the Fugitive. I think that might be what you're thinking of. Okay, maybe then. Um, anyway, uh, he snatches Rachel Weisz. And meanwhile, uh, Keanu hops on top of the plane. Uh, we get a goofy set piece where he's like slipping and sliding on the roof of it. And uh, long story short, he escapes. Now, something that I noticed that I don't know if this translates to every copy of this film, but uh, I hope it does because it was fucking hilarious. Um, at the FBI command center, the guy who told us what DARPA means. Um, he's on the phone. And he's like, oh, hey, guys, uh, the cops are calling. Uh, Keanu is at, this, at such and it's such location. But he looks, again, pretty much directly into the camera, and he says he's at the Smithsonian. His lips say the Smithsonian. He's dubbed, and it says Science Museum. He's at the Science Museum. <laughs> but, but his lips, he said Smithsonian on the set. But for some reason, maybe the Smithsonian said, fuck that. We don't want anything to do with this movie. Or, or maybe, like, the audience that that the director was like, okay, the audience isn't going to know what the Smithsonian is. Uh, this is a bunch of dads that are going to be watching this. So, it's called a science museum. They'll get it. <laughs> it's like, there's a lot, I don't know, guys. There's a lot of pro wrestling fans at this <laughs> test screening. <laughs> a lot of dumb dads are going to this over the weekend. They do not know. A lot of NWO shirts in the crowd. <laughs> not sure about this one, guys. Um, and then we Rachel gets spirited away to sea systems Yeah, they got the vice. Uh, and I believe at this point um, we're in the boardroom. And I'm pretty sure the, the, the white guy with the monkey butt haircut and the funny accent, he's in there. Oh, yes, that, I know exactly who you're talking about now. I apologize. Yeah, he, so, that's so the was same he, guy. Was yeah. he with the Libyans? Correct, okay. yes. Correct. So he's he's been in on it. He's been a bad guy from the start. Yes. Uh, he's in there, and he's, like, trying to tell Rachel that it's like, yeah, you know, we're, I, th- I think we could get it this time. She's like, the fuck? <laughs> like, you've been a traitor this whole time? And then uh, Morgan Freeman comes out from the back room, and he's got Dr. Chin. Yeah, Dr. Who Chen's still looks alive. like he has not been having a good time. No, they've been working him over with you know bars of soap in the midsection. He doesn't look very happy. Probably hasn't eaten. Um, he looks like Han Solo after he gets tortured by uh, Vader in Empire Strikes Back, where they bring him in. He's just like, I feel funny. Like <laughs> I don't feel good when they drop him. Yeah, like, just I feel terrible. I feel terrible. <laughs> uh, Chewie's like, I, I hear you, bud. Sorry. Uh, I had to write down uh, CQ four nine three. Keanu was able to get the license plate of the van that they steal Rachel Vice in. Photographic memory. Photographic memory. <laughs> so yeah, Keanu. Um, and the scene doesn't really make sense until it concludes. But Keanu is like hands in his pockets. He's trudging down the street. He's not in a good mood because his his lady, who's not really his lady, but he I guess he cares about her. She's gone. Um, he comes across a homeless shelter, and there's a big commotion going on there. <clears throat> and there's this homeless guy that is yelling at him, and he's like, you know, that was kind of a dick move. I should probably acknowledge that he exists. And so he hands the homeless guy some money, and he's like, can I share your grate? Can I share your grate? Yeah. Because it has a steam vent on it. And I was like, yeah, yeah. I mean, Keanu is kind of the coolest guy ever. That is something he would probably do. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the whole reason for this scene is that he's sitting on the grate, and then the 
some cops pull up. They don't. They're not there for him. They're there for the commotion going on in the homeless shelter. And while they're running out of their car, he just like springs into action. He hops onto the computer console in their car, and CQ four nine three or whatever. Uh, yeah. The license plate. Basically, yeah, he, he, he uses the their. Plate. Yeah, he uses their computer to run the plate of the vehicle that Rachel Vice was taken away on. Want the cops database, but not have this license plate. I don't think because if this is uh, whatever corporation that uh, Morgan Freeman's working for, they're untraceable. I don't think they're traceable people, so I don't think he would be able to figure this out. Maybe he would, uh, <laughs> but he he, how the fuck does he get to this quarry? He walks to a quarry. As far as we know, like he literally walks, he he gets out of the cop car, starts running, and then he's in the middle of nowhere at the place. Yeah, uh, I again, I, I think you started things off by saying people just appear places sometimes in this movie, and that is certainly the case here. This might be more ridiculous than the cop showing up at the payphone. Like, this is like just one scene of him hitchhiking, just have him like with his thumb out, and then okay, okay, he hitchhiked there somehow. Well, yeah, and I mean this uh, this adventure has taken us across multiple states too. Yeah. So, <clears throat> I mean, now we're in Virginia. We were in Chicago. We were in Illinois. We got to Wisconsin. Now we're in Virginia. So well, Chicago is a, like a qu- sneeze away from the Wisconsin border. Like it's right there. Okay, but Virginia. Yeah. No, that's a bit further. <laughs> um. So yeah, Keanu sneaks into the Sea Systems facility via air duct. Very classic action hero move oh Uh, did you pick up on the guitar synth that we've been hearing every once in a while kyle you probably can't see it but uh some of these guitar riffs sound very uh david michael frank from Um, i wanted to say uh oh god damn it what was i trying what (sighs) it kept kept reminding me of something i can't think of the movie so lethal weapon had eric clapton so that's in a different league altogether but uh, (laughs) david michael frank uh, was a composer who was big in the late 80s, early 90s. Um, he composed a few of Andrew Davis's movies, uh, many of Steven Seagal's early films. Like, his first five movies, basically, were composed by this guy. Uh, it has a very particular sound. And, yeah, it's it's this, like, synthy, like, sassy guitar riff. That it really starts to, like... It really starts to like loom over the film, like yeah. when when Keanu is separated from Rachel Wise. Someone's and about to is, goes to say it's like it's like somebody's about to pull their dick out in a sexual thriller in the '90s. That's what it that's what it felt like. Very much so. Yeah. And I mean, with with the the Steven Seagal thing going, I was like half expecting Keanu to like go into action mode and put his hair into a ponytail <laughs> and start snapping necks or something. Because yeah. it's the end of the movie, you kind of expect that, but we never really get there. Um, but yeah, I, I did notice the music. Thank yeah. you for bringing that up because I was actually going to gloss over that. Um, but yeah, Keanu sneaks in there via air duct. Uh, and then we cut to uh, the people there running the experiment again. And it doesn't work. No. And and we get some shots of Rachel Weisz and uh, Dr. Chen that it's close-ups of their face that kind of tell us that they're they're glad it's not working. Uh, and Morgan Freeman and Brian Cox are understandably upset. Uh, this is where that line I mentioned comes in, where Morgan Freeman's like trying to intimidate Rachel Wise, and he's like, "Oh yeah, Keanu, Keanu will come." I was like, "Are you? He's a f- physicist. He, 
he he's probably he probably he's, went back to his loft to play on his keyboard. He's not a physicist though. Rachel Weiss <laughs> is the physicist. He's just a machinist. He just yeah. kind of he built the machine more or less. He fabricates things. <clears throat> um, yeah, uh, this was fucking weird. Um, this was a bizarre moment because the experiment fails. We clear out the room. Like everybody's like, okay, let's uh, reconvene in the morning. Try again. I don't know why, because I don't know what else you would do. Like, clearly it's not working. Um, and then they turn off all the lights, and Keanu just walks into the experiment room. Yeah. It's like, there's no security, no security cameras even. Just nothing. Nobody cares. I think Steph mentioned that. Why wouldn't, like, he's on camera. Like, they're watching him right now. <laughs> yeah, like, no, they're this not. Is, this is, like, top secret facility that even the FBI gets told to take a hike when they show up. <laughs> You would think that their security would be up to snuff, but no, he just walks into he the main experiment room. Walks into this top secret facility underground. Walks into a top secret facility underground. That's what happens. <laughs> yeah, and not only that, he starts dicking around with the machine. Yeah. Like, he, uh, <laughs> I thought he was gonna sabotage it. He starts working on the machine and I'm like, oh, he's gonna he's gonna fuck it all up or he's gonna he's gonna do something that's gonna make it go bad. But uh, we cut to uh, later that evening or the next day, and it's working perfectly. Yeah, no, he he f- fixes the machine. <laughs> like, what the fuck is his in game here? Yeah, I don't know what what the rationale here was, but um, there is a really fun moment here though, where Morgan Freeman, uh, we cut to him, and like the whole the facility is like buzzing with activity now because somehow the machine's online and it's working. I'd be a little alarmed if you know this hydrogen bomb machine suddenly started working and yeah. suddenly turned itself on uh but he's he's okay with it um but what makes it funny is the uh the monkey butt guy uh he takes credit for yeah, it he, does. <laughs> he, he like he immediately throws his hand up and says yep i'm the i'm the guy who solved the puzzle i made it work god was talking to me in the night and i got up and i came in here and it worked as yeah i fixed it yeah, it's it a little <laughs> weird exchange he has with him. Yeah, um, and then I think Morgan Freeman instantly asks for like the data, like the mm-hmm. actual actual computations that went into making the machine function. He's like, "I need a copy of that right now," and then he just takes off and uh, he heads down a staircase, heads to the conference room, and he finds Kinanu uh, messing around like. Sending some emails. Yeah, sending some emails. In the mid-90s, that's a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you got to go to college to do that. <laughs> how's, he's, how's he even getting this done if he's typing with two fingers? Like, yeah. But you can kind of see what he's writing on the computer. It's like, me and my terrorist buddies are down here at C-Core or whatever. And he's like, you should come and get us right now. And you think that he hit send... Uh, but he hasn't yet, but um, basically, Morgan Freeman does the exposition dump. He just tells us what the whole point this of the is. A, this is the speech from A Few Good Men. Yeah. This is Jack Nicholson's speech. You need me on that wall. Yeah, it's... <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, he's like, yeah, I mean, we've got this awesome technology, but like, it would just crash the world economy, and we can't be having that, so we're going to let these things out in spurts, which I'm like, sounds... He's got pretty good. He's yeah, making it, pretty good points here. He does have a point. <laughs> and Keanu's just not having it. And he, like he's not even listening. Like he doesn't even care. No way, I man. don't care. I don't care, man. It's not right. Energy, you can't bury this information, free, man. 
<laughs> Land Penguins of the what? Dying in the Arctic, Land of the man. <laughs> Land of the what? Land of the free man. Uh, <laughs> so he, yeah, he mentions he, he says that uh like morgan freeman's like you promised that once we figured this out you would you know let us all go or some shit like that and morgan's like no that's not gonna happen or whatever he's like okay and he hits send well what he does what he had done what he done did was he uh we learned that he rewired this machine to uh i guess be connected to the computer and when he hits send um all like how to build the machine and all the working parts and everything gets faxed to the FBI uh, along with the email and now the machine is um, overheating we'll say yeah um, you could have just said Keanu hacked the planet yeah. <laughs> uh, see this is this is a thing that was prevalent in 90s film writing was uh, technology can do anything yes um, if you know how to use computers you can do anything like in the net you can order a pizza yeah. with the internet <laughs> and independence day you can fight the aliens with a computer and in this case yes you can rig up a, com- a office computer an office computer uh, to send an email and cause a hydrogen bomb <laughs> to, to to develop a mind of its own, not not explode, just become out Sin- of like uncontrollable. Yeah, uh, it, it basically I put it on the closed circuit, like it cannot be touched now, like can't be messed with. It's the solenoid. <laughs> it must be the solenoid acting up. So or uh, we need more firewalls. Just insert buzzword here, but needs to be said brian cox is in the room for all this oh no he leaves the room and runs back to the room (laughs) operative word being runs runs back (laughs) it's worth watching this movie just to watch him run (laughs) uh it's pretty amazing oh my god it really is um if you've ever seen steven seagal run uh you, there's a very small window window of opportunity to so there's like what seven year cicadas or whatever <laughs> like, that's that's the that's the equivalent of Steven Seagal running it's like you you need to be in the right place at the right time to see the birth of this magical moment and yeah Brian Cox running is not something I've seen very often in film this is the only time I can the only time I actually have ever seen it he's act acting running like he's not even running he's acting running that's the best way i can describe it like okay pretend like you would run down a hall like no 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 just run down the hall and his arms are like <laughs> kind of swinging funny they're, so to to describe it with verbiage they're like flipping and flopping out to the side like in a circular he's doing, yeah. motion he's doing double windmills on both hands <laughs> he's doing double windmills but i mean the English language, as frustrating as it can be, I'm glad it gives me the opportunity to use words like flounce. Flounce? <laughs> this is a flounce. <laughs> they're boun- yeah, they're like bounce flipping. <laughs> yes, it's- he flounces down the... Oh, oh, a good description would be, I want you to act run down this hall, but the hall is only 10 feet long. Yes. So, you- so you need to be in a hurry, but, but- only for this amount of... Like for this stretch, yes, 
So you you get like a big burst of acceleration, but you got to slow down right away. <laughs> it's, and you got to use those arms, you know, create some air resistance. <laughs> it's some of the, it's the one of the best two seconds on on screen I've ever seen. I really I great. promise you, I will try to make a gif of that for you. Thank you. Um, um, yeah, so, I was gonna say we're uh, machines acting up. The somebody threw the the cement brick into the dryer. It's starting to shake a little bit, and uh, now we're gonna try to mess with it. And I think we have everybody in the room now. Like, everybody's all front and center. Yeah, and we get... I think Rachel Wise mentions that, what, it's going to explode in 20 minutes. And that feels accurate, because this thing is exploding. is threatening to explode for what feels like a half an hour. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like okay, guys, let's get let's get to it. Yeah. Um, at this point, I think, is where Chen gets shot. Because Brian Cox is trying to reason with them. He's yeah. like turn the fucking thing off and keanu keeps telling him i can't and so for whatever reason brian cox you said racism was probably the catalyst racist (laughs) there's no reason for him to shoot chad you shoot rachel vice if you want to make if you want to make a statement you want to get your point point across you shoot her like fix it now like, well, okay, I mean, Keanu fine. didn't even know Chen was alive until like two seconds ago. Why would he care? <laughs> it, it just felt wrong. And even like I said, Morgan Freeman's like that was unnecessary. That was totally unnecessary. <laughs> and like, I think maybe they just didn't tell him that he was going to shoot the Chinese gentleman in the room. <laughs> and that was just Morgan Freeman reacting like, "Why did you do that? What? That was unnecessary. Why would he?" So even this even was do the that? the alien chestburster scene, but with a Chinese man getting shot instead yeah. of John Hurt's chest blowing up. Yeah. <laughs> But <laughs> whoa, <laughs> it was just uncalled for, and they're they're trying to to fix it. And then Monkey Butt, uh, he his he's like, I know a way I could try to fix. That's not his. That's not his voice. I know a way I could try to fix it. And yeah. uh, he goes over and they're like, No, don't. And it makes it worse. Uh, so I don't know that it did. I mean, it still it, takes about twenty minutes to go. But. They say it made it worse. He's like, No. He's like, We were kind of fucked before, but now. <laughs> We're totally fucked. And see that line needed to be in this movie. <laughs> yeah. And Brian Cox is like, fix it. And Keanu's just like shoulder shrugging, like, it's just not gonna happen, man. Like, it's over. Yeah, yeah uh, so we yell at each other. Everybody's yelling. Everybody's yelling back and forth for like five, ten minutes here while this machine is rocking and rolling and threatening to blow up. It's like I don't know that I'd want to be having long conversations right now. Um, and we start to evacuate. Brian Cox and Morgan Freeman, they've been snipping and snapping at each other for yeah. the past hour. They're like a bickering married couple or yeah, something. Yeah, they're not it's fans just... of each other. And he's like, ooh, I might, I just might strike you. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like, I might get to that point, but I probably won't. Um, and Brian Cox basically is saying, like, because Morgan Freeman's trying to bargain to keep Keanu and Rachel alive. Yeah. It's like, don't don't leave them here. Like, they're still useful in some regard. And Brian Cox is like, nah, fuck that. <laughs> and he tells Morgan Freeman, like, if you if you want to keep them, you got to stay with them or you can come with me. And Morgan Freeman finally gives in. He's like, okay, I'll go with you, Brian Cox. And uh, Keanu starts getting to work like macgyvering his way out of out of yeah. this room which gets sealed after everyone else leaves uh so there's like a, a shutter that closes and a some sort of cap like a, yeah. a heavy stone cap kind of thing that lowers down on a, a basement exit that they're trying to get open i'm comfortable with that yeah yeah <laughs> uh and then uh 
Brian Cox makes his exit from the film, and this this elevator shaft is gorgeous. Um, oh yeah, I don't know where they filmed that or, but whatever. Um, it's really cool to look at. And I feel like he, this was Doctor Evil's lair in uh in Austin Powers. I think that I think Austin Powers came out in like ninety seven. I, uh, maybe six. I think. Um, I'm, 1999 no 90 i think it was 97 because the second one came out in 1999 okay yeah that makes Sorry. sense but yeah it felt uh, like uh, dr evil's layer a little bit a little bit um i mean it's funny if you took the the action music that plays at the end of every austin powers movie mm-hmm. and put that over the sequence it would probably fit very well yeah <laughs> um but yeah the scene with brian cox and morgan freeman elevator shaft together it's it's supposed to be like suspenseful and and eerie in some fashion because brian cox keeps making sure that morgan freeman's walking ahead of him uh they're in the elevator together they've been again they've been snipping at each other for the whole movie so this is kind of things building to a head uh we get an exterior shot of the elevator shaft and uh bang 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 like not just one bang many gunshots yeah and then next shot is Brian Cox like slouched against the wall of the elevator and Morgan Freeman stepping out yeah and saying like oh, I forgot to mention it like your retirement was already planned yeah uh, well they they kept they kept showing Brian Cox with a gun and like well, won't you give me that disc back and why don't you give me that disc back oh, <laughs> you know maybe we should retire um, yeah he they're leading us to believe that he's gonna shoot Morgan Freeman and Morgan Freeman steps out and wearing some nice penny loafers. I appreciated the penny loafer shot. I don't know why. I just like, I I didn't realize I wanted to know what kind of footwear Morgan Freeman was wearing in this movie. I would have thought they would have been a little bit of a harder shoe, but uh, no, he's got some nice, some comfortable penny loafers. I think he likes to his be comfortable. His attire in this film is, is actually worth pointing out. Like he's, he's basically wearing his outfit from Seven throughout the whole movie, but just nicer. Yeah. He's got that bucket hat thing throughout the whole movie and glasses i love him hysterically laughing in seven at the uh how close their apartment is to the train and it's like shaking the whole apartment and he fucking loses it it feels genuine like that's how good of a laugh it is but um so yeah he he makes his exit and uh now keanu and them are trying to get out but uh morgan freeman's a swell guy he uh undoes the containment so they're able to get their way get out of there Kinda, um, Keanu moves the the blast the plate top. thing. Yeah, yeah, with a hydrogen tank. Oh yeah, I'm sorry, fire to mention, axe. Yeah. Um, that's why I meant by MacGyver's it open. Yeah, and then we keep cutting back and forth between stuff, and Keanu and Rachel are running through the facility, and oh my, oh my God, the the Libyans show up again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, big white guy, big black guy, um, and. For whatever reason, instead of running away from the probable hydrogen bomb explosion, uh, the Libyans decide to give chase and start shooting at Keanu. Because <laughs> priorities. I mean, if you're a goon, I guess this is what you live for. This is what you pay <laughs> for, man. Yeah, I, I guess. But you can't go I, back to Two-Face and let him know, like, yeah, the, the Batman was still down there running around. What? Like, they're going to get <laughs> shot. But yeah, uh, Keanu defeats them Home Alone style. Yes, uh, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I made the same note. I'm like, yeah, that's that. Mar- uh, Marvin Harry would have definitely survived that, but yeah, uh, yeah. He he uh, collapses some scaffolding, and pretty sure the white guy 
buys it right then and there. But the big black guy that I can't remember what that movie was where he has the too small gun. Um, he comes out from the wreckage and Rachel Weisz is like, I, I think you have to punch him, Keanu. And he's like, why? And she's like, because this movie's kind of boring and we need something to happen at the something end. To happen. <laughs> uh, so he grabs a chain and he starts swinging at this guy. And they have a wrestling match uh, that ends very uneventfully because instead of continuing the fight, like this is the guy that gets that turns around and has the the airplane propeller chop him up. Yeah. You know, this that's what the big big ugly goon is for. Uh, no, instead they they wrestle a bit. Keanu knees him in the dick, <laughs> and then he uh, hops onto this metal basket that he put rachel in and it starts like ascending out of out of the underground lair uh the thing that has been exploding for 20 minutes finally explodes (laughs) and it's them out of the tip because they haven't quite made it to the top yet and it's not as good of an explosion as the first one no it's not for a movie that is literally about two explosions (laughs) you need to have the second explosion be the good one um and yeah uh Big black guy gets blown away. It's a okay special effects shot. But Kyle, you really like the movie Twister. Yes, I love it. Um, did this not make you think of the end of Twister a little bit? Um, no, it remind the them shooting up out of there. That see this this ending, and I need your help because it reminds me of so many other things, but I can't quite put my finger on exactly what movie. The first one that comes to mind is Speed. Where so we need to speed thinking. it up, and and the the train comes out of the ground. It's that situation where our breeding pair are huddled together. It's uncertain whether whether they'll survive, and then big explosion yes, throws throws them out. It is Twister. So at the end of Twister, um, which I almost watched, I was like, if I had time today, I was going to watch Twister again. Um, I don't know what it is about that movie. It's just a summertime flick for me. But yes, at the end, um, Helen Hunt and uh, Bill Paxton are a attached to a pipe with some rope and they are actually kind of being sucked by the twister and they survive it that's more believable than uh the two people in this movie who would be charred dismembered corpses uh because they were shot out of a pipe by a hydrogen bomb um (laughs) in a steel cage the steel cage went out of the pipe then back down into the pipe. There'd they be should... some crushed bones at the very least. At least. If, I mean, they didn't even get on... They weren't even on Un- fire. Unlike unlike Twister, where their skin would be torn off and they'd very likely just be torn in half. <laughs> they would be broken. It, like, if the... If the rope or whatever straps they had in that movie, I think it was a belt. <laughs> it was like a be- yeah, it literally was like a belt. It was like a leather belt. Like if that had held on, it would have cru- like it would have broken bones. Basically, it, it would have torn them in half. Yeah, <laughs> like, right down the middle. It would have crushed their rib cage or something. Like and yeah, the, that would have been the fun. speed of the wind would take their faces off. Faces off. Try, try, but try. there's another movie that I can't quite put my finger on that I feel like it was like a. It was like a, a water situation where it was like two people and they get like blown up through a geyser or something. I, I can't remember what it was. But anyway, this is a familiar scenario for 90s action movies. Uh, anyway, they survive. Uh, and then... Uh, the FBI are just like... The, the FBI... 
they haven't even figured it out yet, but they're just like, um, Special Agent Johnson is like, you know, I don't really think he could do something like this. And because of that, they're like, I don't think he did. So they actually greet them. Uh, the FBI agents are like, what happened? And they're like, hydrogen bomb. And he's like, well, you want to tell us about it? And like, yeah, we'll tell you everything. Yeah. And he's like, okay. Well, it was yeah. the email. It was the uh, email, for, yes, yes, yeah, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, he he sent the email to the FBI saying, "Come get us." Yeah, uh, and he also magic of computers mm-hmm. somehow sent like every personal record, every document that exists about C systems and this machine to, to a thousand. I think he's to th- basically the entire science community and the FBI. Yeah with a single keystroke from a personal computer. <laughs> I can't not even a, not a supercomputer, just a personal computer. I can't I can't remember anybody's email address. Sometimes I forget mine. I'm like, what is mine again? Like, oh yeah, okay. So he put in a thou I think he said a th- oh like a thousand physicists or a thousand scientists or something like that. Yeah. Impossible in this time frame. <laughs> uh if he did it from memory, absolutely impossible. I'd rather just have a movie about like how great his memory is if he was able to do that. Or they were already. You did remember off. that license plate, though, Kyle. How many digits? CQ four. It's five digits. That's not hard. I can give you five digits now. You could remember them. Like if you just like. Uh, what What would have been perfect is he he does his dramatic like behind the back keystroke, like hitting the enter key. Yeah. And then you just hear that that old fashioned error noise, the don don, just like computers, like nope. That would be kind of funny. That's too many email addresses. It's like, that's Uh, too many recipients, Keanu. Can't do it. You can only send up to five at a time. Can't be done. That's just asking way too much. So, yeah. um, Just think of the bandwidth. (laughs) Then uh, Special Agent Johnson's like, all right, well, we're going to take you guys to headquarters. Like, you you guys split up. You take her. You take them. He's like, no. And there's like a pause. And he's like. We go together. And I'm like, I don't think you understand what a federal investigation is, uh, but we need to keep you two separated. That way you can't corroborate your story uh, in the same vehicle, and then it all match up when we get there. Yeah, and, and again, you need to have like an extra extra little acting moment from Rachel, like wiggling, like wriggling under his shoulder just a little bit like, no. <laughs> like It's like, you know that, that guy whose house I was living at? We were kind of a thing we, were doing, we, did, we did some stuff we did yeah, i don't want to talk bases st- but we did stuff you know yeah you know I was, living, I was living in his house like <laughs> it's like i mean you're a nice guy and thanks Girls for eat, you know? warming me up when i was freezing but like you know appreciate you and shit, but... yeah pat on the head or something <laughs> and uh but, i think yeah, morgan freeman escapes Oh yeah, I love. I don't know why, but I loved this escape. Like it really made me feel good. Uh, really? Yeah, I don't know why. He just he steps outside and he's in a completely different location and like a barn. I'm like, that's awesome. He had a back door the whole time. I love it. Yeah, he had a he had a Batman rig set up where he just he had a Lincoln parked at a barn that was somehow attached via tunnel to Sea Systems. I would and love I, he, to have this on my own. Like, I would love to have like fifty acres of land and then build like an underground tunnel to like from my panic room down in the basement that I can just like <laughs> run down this tunnel and be out at a different part. That would be that'd be awesome. Yeah, and then I don't think. I mean, this was before sequel baiting was really a, a common practice. 
I don't think that was the intent at all, but like the his ending lines are basically him in the back of this Lincoln getting driven by this man with sunglasses who has been hovering over his shoulder throughout the entire movie. Man man with sunglasses who never takes off said sunglasses in the dead of winter and indoors. Um, and he's talking to his secretary or whatever, and he says, take a memo. And he's like, C systems, not a, not a viable system anymore. Another Tuesday for him. This is yeah. like, eh, and he's very casual about it, very cavalier. And then like the last shot is really weird because because of the nature of his character, it's very I don't know what I'm supposed to feel here, but it's his Lincoln going over a, a hill and the an American, American flag. flag. Yeah. And I'm like, so is he like I mean, he is commended for his patriotism at some point, so it's like, is he supposed to be the hero? He's supposed to be Nick Cage in Lord of War. It's like you're following this character and he's doing shady shit the whole time. And at the end, you're just like, well, well, he's working for higher ups. He's working for he's working for the government, you know, Uh, except in Lord of War, it's supposed to be like bad. But here it's like, no, no, he's he's doing the right thing here. It's a it's a it's a weird message it's a very strange message to send i had the exact same feeling i'm like that american flag is not there on accident that's there for a reason well i mean he he does speechify throughout the movie about like thinking about the bigger picture and how it's like that ideology conversation he has with keanu where he's basically saying like hey yeah it's great that you invented clean energy but you know (laughs) um so it's it's just an interesting perspective because I don't know. The '90s felt like this is before slightly, 9/11. It felt like a slightly more optimistic time period, um, and this is kind of a not. It's like a cynical, not nihilistic, but like a little bit cynical, I guess. Well, it's like the odd line. Like I thought it was a funny line. The national security doesn't include um, doesn't include <laughs> murdering people, domestically speaking. Uh, it's an odd line to throw in there, like funny, but it's like. Eh, it's, uh, the last movie that um, this fella, uh, Andrew Davis, directed was The Guardian with uh, Ashton Kutcher. And oh, jeez. I the don't... Coast Guard movie? Yeah. I, I don't know what it is. I don't entirely hate that movie, and I don't know why. I want to hate it, because it's got Kevin Costner and Ashton Kutcher. Like, you want to just not like it. I I remember being okay with it, and then sometimes I think about it, I'm like, man, that movie sucked, but I, I feel like I'm just going to have to go back and watch it and reassess, because I think... I, I haven't seen it, but I'm sorry, but just surface details of it, I was like, I am fully prepared to hate this. <laughs> well, it's Kevin Costner being kind of a dick, but it's a focused dick, and it's a, a dick with a purpose, uh, so I feel like it's okay. I'm not a big Kevin Costner fan. Neither am I. Um, I still think Mr. Brooks is okay. I'm probably wrong. Like I said, I'm probably wrong. Um, we'll get we'll get to it. But yeah, he uh, th- that was the last movie he directed. Um, he hasn't directed anything else since then. So I wonder yeah. if he took like a nice. I wonder, like the themes of this movie. I wonder if he took kind of a xenophobic turn when the towers <laughs> fell. You know, uh, and they're like, yeah, maybe don't give him any more things to direct. Uh, yeah, I, I actually don't know what happened in his career, but he had a very strong... He led very strong. Like, first 10 years or whatever of his career was pretty pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, so yeah. anyway, that was Chain Reaction. Yeah. Uh, second in our month of catching up on Keanu. Correct. Um, next week... Uh, Man from Tai do, Chi. 
I think Man of Tai Chi, yeah. I think that's uh, what we're doing. So yeah, I'll I'll be having you watch Man of Tai Chi, which is notable for being the first and only film Keanu Reeves has ever directed. Uh, he also has a major role in it, so um, this time I'm not cheating, I guess, because uh, Freak definitely was not a Keanu Reeves movie. <laughs> it was not. But, <laughs> anyway, uh, thank you for joining us as we caught up on cinema. Um, Correct. Until next time.